Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of our show. Between the Sheets airs live at twitch.tv slash critical role at 7 p.m. Pacific on Monday nights, then uploaded to youtube.com slash critical role on Wednesdays. Subscribers to our Twitch channel get early access to the VODs, emotes, and more. Enjoy today's conversation with Will Friedle. Will Friedle is a national treasure. He's one of the smartest, funniest, and down-to-earth people I've met in the entertainment industry. We talk about his journey from Connecticut to stardom, how anxiety nearly derailed his entire career, and his completely bogus view on Game of Thrones, and so much more. Will is a master storyteller, and I hope you have a lot of fun with this episode of Between the Sheets. Thank you for having me, Brian. Today we're drinking an American trilogy. I like it. This Not one. an American tragedy. No, which but is good. This interview will turn into. <laughs> It'll turn into one. It really, I like the Christmas of the apple is very nice. It's kind of Christmassy. There's so there's apple brandy. There's some oh. rye whiskey. There's some orange bitters. There's some brown sugar syrup. It's like, oh my God, that's wonderful. I'm gonna need the recipe for this. I'm I am sorry. That's gonna be. It's trademarked and copyrighted. I don't believe that for a second. It's not. For no other reason than even you know would have to... no idea how to trademark or copyright anything. You just going mine doesn't legally make it. I sent anything. an email to trademark at dot gov and I haven't gotten anything back <laughs> I yet. Think that's I what it is. I don't think that's how it works. You, Will Friedle, TV and internets, and animations and video games, Will Friedle grew up in Connecticut. I did. Whereabouts? I grew up, I was born in Hartford. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up in a, a small town that is, is you know, like two towns west of Hartford called Avon. Oh, wow. Um, Avon Calling. Avon Calling, yeah. Avon Old Farms is, no, is, we're known for Avon Old Farms, which is a school that was brought over from England brick by brick, literally. It's an all boys school in Avon that's famous for like tons of hockey players and everything. And it's, you drive, maybe a half a mile from my house and in the woods, my whole, the whole town's in the woods. And you come upon this literally old English boarding school that still run that way. They brought the brick by brick cool school. Yeah. How long ago? Late 1700s, early 1800s, I want to say. Our town was established. See, that's the thing. You, you live in Los Angeles and it's mm. like, this building is almost 40 years old. Yeah, you go to Hollywood. It's ridiculous. But then you go to Europe and they laugh at us there. But, you know, my a lot of my family is literally still lives in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, my aunt works at the Sparrow House, which is the oldest continuous house in the United States. Um, and I what think- What kind of house? It's a regular home, like, like, a, a, like home? a working home that's now oh, a museum, wow. but it's I think it was 1620, 1621, um, right after the Pilgrims landed. And uh, so I think- What year my, did the Pilgrims land? 1620. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> cool, cool. cool. You know, that you, is right after. Yeah, with the Nina, the Marinta, the Santa Maria. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, 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 that's yeah. Christopher Columbus, forget it. The, um, uh, the Carlo Rossi. Exactly, the Titanic, the Britannia. And so we, I think my town was established in like 16, um, so we, wow. yeah, history, been, yeah, history is awesome. History that's fun. what I like about some of those parts of the country is oh, they have a rich history here. It's like, oh, there was an earthquake. That was kind of cool. Yeah. There was a flood in 1931. This is, Los Angeles is all about updating. Mm-hmm. So again, they, a building is 25 years old and that's got to yeah. be torn down and put up the new next thing. And Modern. no, in, in the East Coast, we, New England especially, we, we love our history and that, you know, 
we're just getting out of the most beautiful time of the year there with all the leaves changing and it's mm. a kaleidoscope of color and it's you gorgeous. just got back from there and i did it's weird when you go somewhere that has actual seasons, right? Like I just went to New York and went to London and you see. You yeah, know. you get out and you go like, oh, sweaters. That's right, I need a sweater. My wife is addicted to puffy jackets. It's yeah, a thing apparently. But you can't really wear those. No, here, so she'll have she'll enough. have eleven puffy jackets, and I'll go. It's you know it's seventy eight always. Why uh -huh. are you Why are you doing this? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and we live in the hottest part of the valley too. So if it's seventy eight yeah. here, it's one hundred and fourteen. It's one hundred and yeah, exactly. Um, but it's yeah, so very interesting. But I love New England. I'm still a New England boy and always will be. My whole family mm. is still there. Still there, so, right? Yeah. 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 What is the What is the Connecticut accent? It's pretty he, much this. It's the white accent. Okay, is pretty much all that. Yeah. Can, the Connecticut accent is. It's 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 a non-regional diction. Mm. So it's. I think you can get a lot of people from Connecticut that would become like national news anchors because we don't sound like we're from. It's very rare that oh, somebody comes up and goes like, "You're from Connecticut." Right. right it just right. doesn't sound. like... It doesn't have a no, twist to it. There's no real twang to it. It's just very yeah normal. And you have two brothers. I do. And your parents were lawyers, right? They are well. Are they my still, my dad yeah. is still a practicing lawyer. Wow. He's going to be eighty years old this year. Wow. Still goes to work every day. He's also a retired uh, JAG officer in the Navy. He was in the Navy oh. for thirty some odd years. He was a captain in the Navy. So that show JAG, where the guys running around yeah, shooting yeah, guns yeah, yeah, and flying yeah, yeah. planes, he didn't do any. No, of that. it's all paperwork and it's literally he would sit there and be like, "See what we do?" And I go, "You don't do any of this at all. <laughs> it's not cool." Uh, no. And then my mom ran all three courts in Connecticut for years and years and years. She was really. Only, there was she graduated from law school in nineteen sixty. Four of only one of three women that graduated from law school in 1964 wow. in Connecticut. And um, she uh, graduated early and started, the, like the, so the Hartford Current is the oldest continuously running paper in the United States. And we have this article. The local newspaper there? The, 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 the local newspaper wow. in Harvard. And we have this, this article that's framed in our, our living room that's always been there that was so revolutionary at the time. It was like 1971. And it's a giant picture of my mom and it says she chooses to have them both because my mom worked and had kids. Oh, I thought and it, it was, was two husbands. No, no, that's 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 polygamy. Oh, totally okay, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she, you know, so it was like she was one mm. of the first people, apparently, where you know, in Connecticut, where she would, uh, she worked, so we would go to Latchkey as kids, and um, she'd be home by three or four o'clock, and we, you know, then have the rest of the night with her. She'd cook us dinner every night, so she wow. was like the the revolutionary, and she uh, retired, and then in her retirement, she took it easy and has published four novels. Good so Lord. yeah, I came from that family. I came from the family of overachievers, and there, there was me. So, oh boy! Yeah, well, somebody had to break the mold. Some, exactly, exactly. <laughs> somebody had to do something different. Everybody in my family, they're they're lawyers or like on Wall Street. That's kind of like what. My yeah, I was going to ask what your brothers do. So they're my oldest brother was on Wall Street for years and years and years and years, and he lived with you know my, my sister in law. They've been together for I think I was ten when I met my sister in law, mm. um, and uh, they she was an architect. He was on Wall Street. And they called us three years ago, and they said we've retired. Um, they're like this was they were late forties. Said we wow. retired. We pulled our kids out of school, and we bought a hotel in Palm Springs, and they moved the whole family out there. And they own a, like they a seventeen room like boutique hotel in Palm Springs now. That was a nudist colony. Whoa. Yeah, my yeah. brother told me he's literally negotiating with the guy. He's in his three piece suit, and the guy's naked. 
And he's literally like saying like, all right, so let's talk about uh, silly. He's like, don't, don't let your eyes wander. Don't let your eyes was, wander. Was the guy fighting to keep the nudist element? No, he was <laughs> like, no, was it's time like... to go. It's time yeah, to go, okay. but it's a cool, it's, it's called the Monkey Tree Hotel. Wow. And it was the place where Clapton used to love to stay. J uh, JFK used to bring Marilyn there. There's a presidential access. Whoa. Small place. Like it's, it's not like they bought a hotel. It's like yeah, a boutique yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But uh, there's like the jungle room. They brought it all back to the 60s. So it looks, it's really cool. Yeah. You're growing up in a family of lawyers and of people that are definitely professionals. Professionals. Yeah. And then when you're in high school and everything, like when when did you when did the creative thing or the artistic thing go? Oh, I might be I might actually be a little different from the mold. Oh, that was first grade. First grade. First grade, we would always have a free period in first grade, a free a free uh, day. It was always okay. Friday, and every Friday I put on a play. Um, it was always Stone Soup because it was the only play I remember. Do you remember Stone uh -huh, Soup? Yeah, yeah, I remember Stone so Soup. So it was I was always Stone Soup, and uh, and then second grade, same thing. I was kind of in in the class play, and then we moved. We were I was in Newington, Connecticut, which was much more blue collar. Um, and uh, what I was eight years old, we moved to Avon. Still, by by the way, we are we're not by no means wealthy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But we people think lawyers, and they think yeah, yeah, yeah. They think we piles yeah, of cash. Oh, and you had a BMW in high school. None, none of that was. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we were, um, you know, we're a very close knit family, and we moved to Avon, which was kind of an up and coming town. My parents really liked the school systems, and I wanted to go to public school, and it was there in third grade that there was really a drama department, mm. even though it was third grade. And my teacher, a woman named Doreen Cohn, said there's a an audition at a place called the Hartford Stage, which is a very well-known stage throughout the country. Yeah. Um, and I went and I auditioned for a play called The Doll's House. I got the smallest part in the play. It was one line. And then two weeks before the play opened, I, they switched me with the lead kid. And it wasn't until years later that I realized what had actually occurred because the play I was in starred Mary McDonnell, David Strathairn. What? Jerry Bamman, like all the, Mark Lamos, who was the artistic director. It was like- They were in the play? Phenomenal cast. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But I was 10. Yeah. So I didn't get any of that. I still have never seen the entire play because I always had to leave halfway through because we were kids. Mm. Still don't know how it ends. I, it's Ibsen, so I'm imagining it's a happy It's ending. probably very jubilant. Yes, it's wonderful yeah. with, with stuff singing and dancing. Yeah. Um, but what then, was your one line? Do you remember? What oh, yeah, yeah. Was? Oh, no, I remember what exactly. My, my original line was, so it, the, it was the very opening of the play. Mary McDonald walks in and there's a kid behind her carrying a Christmas tree. And um, she goes, how much? And I, I said like, oh, it's, it's uh, you know, four, four, it was like a dollar, dollar fifty. And uh, she handed me money and I went to reach in my pocket and she said, no, 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 keep it. And I went, thanks. That was it. And I walked out. And, uh, and then they switched you with the lead, lead kid, kid who had like- Two weeks before? Yeah, had like four or five pages of, of like, had like four or five scenes of the play. like. I have pictures that I actually tweeted to her at one point to Mary McDonald. I was like, I'm the 10 year old in mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. uh, but she taught me how to dance and all this this cool kind of stuff. And then uh, I begged my parents to get me an agent and a manager. They said, no, that's ridiculous. You're gonna go to college and become a lawyer or a doctor. Cause so they were they were kind of against the idea of going to the Yeah, arts. well, it wasn't, they weren't against it because they were, my parents are very, very supportive people. But the idea of, becoming a professional actor was ridiculous. I'm like, you yeah. know, my dad is really old school. Mm -hmm. He'll tell you this to this day. There are two actual professions, lawyer or doctor. Everything else is just a job. It's just a job he made will, up. He'll, right. he'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, let's, I, that's all I want to do. And again, being supportive, they went, all right, how do we do this? My dad 
called a friend in New York City who sent him yellow pages. So we local had New York local New York <laughs> stacks of yellow pages. This is 1985 now. Um, and then a friend of his took pictures of me in the back of my dad's office, like the like the headshots sitting yeah. on my have my original headshots and then like on our kitchen chair, like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah. what do I do? The happy kid poses. Yeah. Right, right, right. And yeah. we sent him out to places we found in the yellow pages. And like six months later, I was on my first series. Yeah, like, called and said, we love the look of this strange boy. Let's, weirdly, yeah. Will yeah. you come? Hey, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, come down. It was called Gold Star Talent Management. Okay. I went down there. Sounds respectable. And I had my first audition a week later. This is where I got my first real taste yeah. of what it was like as a kid to audition. So first of all, it's, it's New York City pre-Rudy Giuliani. This is when it was uh, filthy and Times Square was hookers yeah, and yeah, sex yeah. shows. I mean, it was right. bad. Yeah. And my parents are like, we're, we're both lawyers. Like, we're working. So if you want to do this, we'll drop you off the bus in Farmington. You'll take a three-hour bus ride down in New York City. You'll get off at Port Authority oh, at yeah. 42nd Street in 1986. Your manager will meet you. You'll go to the audition. They'll put you back on the bus. We'll let you go once a week. We'll have a call you? back. I was 11. Wow. 12. And there's times my manager wouldn't meet me. So well, I'm was... walking the city by myself yeah, yeah, at yeah. 12. Uh, were you afraid? Were you, no, were God, you, never you, had a problem. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you... I didn't have a single problem. I knew all the, the homeless people in Port Authority, like literally to the point where I'd get off and I'd be like, break a leg today, Will, like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was such... A, Sorry you didn't get blossomed. Yeah, seriously. Such a grown-up experience, though, where yeah, it was yeah, just... Yeah. I was an adult. I had to be. I would go to the, to the kiosk close, like right there. I'd... 12 years old, I'd buy cigarettes and porn because I could sell them to all my friends for twice as much money. Um, again, I'm 12. Sorry. This is where my head goes. And of course, I there was it. never once a guy who went like, you're 12. Yeah, I'm not going to sell you cigarettes and porn. That yeah. never happened. Uh -huh. But I look back and, and now as an adult, I tell my parents some of these stories and they're just going, oh, how did we let you do any of it? It was their fault. They it was crazy. dropped you off at the... Yeah. Nuts. But my first audition ever... <laughs> I walk in and they had, had it was for a device called the Kawasaki One Man Jam. I'll never forget. And the theme was Kawasaki One Man, let the good times roll. I'm trying to picture what the device is. I didn't know what it was either until I got in there and they handed me a pair of drumsticks and said, we're told you could play the drums. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, sitting no in my idea. first audition ever, next thing I know, with drumsticks in front of all these people, they press a button and music starts and they expect me to play the drums. How did they get the idea that you played drums? Uh, I think my agent probably told them I played drums at the did time. You do a, did you do a photo shoot with like fingerless gloves? It was, well, like, can you just look, 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 like, look at this cool drummer. Like, God, that guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's just me with Neil Peart. No, um, it was because my agent at the time, my manager at the time, I had no special skills, so he just made up a spec. According to him, I rode horses, I did all these dialects, oh, yeah, I yeah, was yeah, a yeah, musician, yeah. apparently. So there I was like this. I went like this three times. I went, thank you. And I was back on the bus. And that was my first ever audition. Did they let you keep the drumsticks? No. Uh, you know, let's keep anything. But that was it. So yeah. that was my foray into the industry. That's so weird. Yeah, it was bizarre. Did you ever, I mean, probably not pressure from your parents, but did you ever on your own think, maybe I'll try this for a little bit 
but down the road i do need to go to college i do need to like kind of have a because yeah. always parents always talk about a fallback career and that was my parents my parents constantly they would tell me things all the time they tell me the two things constantly only do it till it's no longer fun mm. and have something you love just as much to fall back on. So I found archaeology at a very young age, and that's what I was studying from the time I was 12, 13. I was just absorbing as many books as I can, and that was what I was going to do. I wanted to go to either University of Nebraska, I know it sounds weird, or University of Chicago because they have the amazing archaeology programs. But then, you know, Boy Meets World came along, and I was, yeah, no, I was working. Yeah. What was it about archaeology that fascinated you? I don't know. I think something about robbing people's graves oh um hmm. i love history we're just talking about history yeah you i'm love a huge history. fan yeah. of history um and i'm you know there there's a um oh what was his name schlechter forget his name there's there was an archaeologist who literally opened the uh, the odyssey and the iliad and said i'm just gonna follow this with a shovel and i'm gonna find troy and everyone went, eh, troy doesn't exist and he just started digging and he found troy so it's things Whoa, like stories yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that make you God, I wish I remember it's something like Schlechter. I think it's Hannibal Schlechter. That's what it is. It's Hannibal Schlechter. It's what he eats Rings people and finds Troy. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But it was uh that kind of uh idea of there's so much out there in layers that you can still dig and find mm. is pretty wonderful. So it's yeah. I just love that. And I still do. I'm still a huge fan yeah, of Yeah, you're still a big archaeology and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Why why do you love history? I feel like I find everybody that because I, I like reading history books, but yeah. it's not my obsession. Right. Um but people like history for different reasons. Some people are very, you know, those who don't study or don't repeat it. So I like to learn from the mistakes. Other There's people just that. like to see how human civilization has progressed. Yeah, I like the fantasy aspect of it. Mm. I mean, to me, and I'm not a coin collector by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, somebody gave me a coin from the time of right around Julius Caesar. And the idea, when he handed it to me, he said, imagine all the hands that this has passed through. Ooh. So it's like that kind of yeah. idea of, the people that have touched it, the people that have been there, the where it's been, what it's done. I always love that kind of stuff. That's that's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you're finding towns and cities and pottery and every other thing. So how much is that coin worth? Oh, I have no idea. Probably not a lot. Where is it located in your house? Uh it's in my fireproof safe. No, I don't have a fireproof safe. It's in my drawer somewhere. Which drawer is it? In the gold you know, the gold drawer with all the platinum and diamonds and the cure for all those things. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, one. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the yeah. Deadpool drawer. The one next to the box of C D C Exactly. Yeah. So then you're going to New York and you're auditioning for stuff and then you're in high school, but then you ended up going to college college, right? I did. Well, there's a couple funny things about that. I went to college for a little while. Yeah. But according to the Occidental, so my- Occidental college is where you Occidental went college. a little bit. Well, according to them, I never actually went to Occidental. You didn't? No. But if you go on their website, my my nephew was going is is starting college he's now a junior but he, when he was starting college he was they were moving out here and he was applying to occidental and ucla and all mm -hmm. very smart mm -hmm. kid all these kind of things and occidental sent him the, the the package like the intro package and i'm listed among the alumni of the thing and wilford l says this about the, i think i was on the campus once they to just, walk around they just wanted to but they now use me there. as if as if I'm there. So I tell people I'm going to let them do it for another 15 years, and then I want an honorary doctorate. Yes, where I'm Doctor Will of whatever. And you can go make a speech. Exactly the fancy with the robe, thing, like with the robe Steven and all. Because I have the robe. I, I bought myself one years ago. I just want to be able to use it. So. Why did you buy one? I'm kidding. Oh, I was why like, would I buy one? why would I have in case that? people come in over and they go, prove to me you prove me you're a doctor. Yes, got it here in the closet. No, so I went to a a school in Burbank for like a semester. 
And I wrote a paper that would have gotten me a C in high school that was an, literally an A plus. And I went, I, I can't do this anymore. Oh, so God, I haven't gone yeah. back, but I will be going back eventually. You're going to go back to school? Yeah, sure. Well, you, like do you honestly eventually. want to? I really do. Why? Because I, 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 anybody who, not anybody, but I know a lot of people like myself who didn't study enough in middle school and high school that then look back and go, God, I wish I could do that again because I now love reading, I love learning, and I want to try it again. Yeah. So I want to go back and be able to really appreciate what I missed. Mm. And I'd love, there's so many things I want to, I mean, I don't need to go take a math class. It's not going to do anything for me, but a, a cool, you know, philosophy course or something, again, which will help me not at all in life. Yeah. Um, would be really, I, I, I would. I would enjoy being back in kind of an ac academic setting would be really cool. I often wonder, I love your opinion on this. I often wonder how developed a 15 year old's mind is to be able to take in and retain the amount of different types of subjects that we teach in school. And then it's like, cause I think back to high school, yeah. you know, I obviously was experimenting with a lot of, I was, I was helping a lot of pharmaceutical companies okay, out with some enough. of their research at the time. So <laughs> my memory's a little jogged, but <laughs> I think back to a lot of that stuff and I go, man, when I have kids and I have to teach my kid anything, I don't know hire a tutor, yeah. I guess, or something. Well, I mean, that's job. the question is, are you, you know, I get, that kids need structure and I get that kids need to learn. Um, but you wonder how much you're cramming in that is actually necessary nowadays. You, but you've learned almost everything that you know from the extensive amount of reading that you do. Yeah, which which again, I've done mostly as an adult. As an adult, right. And if, if there was something that sparked my interest in high school, I'll now go back and study it mm. because I feel like I can retain it more. And, and you're, it, there's such a difference, not only in retention level, but in... Um, being able to go back, being able to pull from it when you need to, being able to use it in your life experiences when you're enjoying what you're learning. Mm. So there's a lot of kids in school that are just you. If you're sitting there miserable, you're not. You're not going to retain it. You don't care. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, you're just you don't care. Yeah. Um, and there's times where that's really detrimental. I mean, there's mm. there's often times where math comes up in my life and I'm going because no. I don't have that. I, mm. A calculia is a real thing, by the way. A calculia is is the inability to to, to formulate arithmetic function. That's like a That's real, like a, uh, real thing in certain yeah. people's minds. And I can't, you can give me a 110 page script and give me an hour and I'll have everybody's parts memorized. Mm. Give me nine numbers and I'm just. Yeah, no, I numbers can't. I don't do well with. I don't either. Yeah. It's just not the way my brain works. No, I get dates, numbers, all yeah. that stuff. That's why a lot of my hearings end up getting, yeah, I don't. It's no, that's yeah, it's why you're wanted in like seven states. Is because there's specific times you got to be there, Foster, and you're not there. Hey, I just found out what a bench warrant was like a month ago. Did you really? Yeah, oh, that's because yeah. both your parents weren't lawyers. I had three. Oh yeah, my parents were not. Lawyers. You did not have a bench warrant out for you. I've had a couple. I had like a fine. I had like a nine thousand dollar ticket that I didn't pay for like six it's years. Still, first of all, a what do you get a ticket for nine thousand dollars for? Not having insurance and then waiting eight years to pay. It. Okay, that'll, that'll do it. I think it was like a speeding ticket that turned into no proof of insurance. I think I talked shit to the cop. Oh, that's and then not good. so they it gave me like the maximum penalties or whatever. I didn't know you when you were that person. No, no, I've very only known few, you very as super few people. Super awesome, Brian guy. Oh, thank you. With very few bench warrants. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. The Brian, I know. There's only a couple of people around that still that knew me from back in the day and wow. whenever they come around my friends always just want to know all the stories and they'll go is this one true is this one? oh yeah i was there for that I was oh, like, oh yeah, you got my, yeah i wasn't that guy at all i mean the, the worst thing did you I get did... in trouble no never hmm. i didn't start drinking until i was like 25 i was um, late to that too, yeah i smoked pot early but mm -hmm. that was they're finding out probably had a lot to do with my anxiety Oh, interesting. Um, which was, you know, the self-medicating thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I was never, I never cut class. Like literally never missed a class. I was that kid. I wow. still didn't do well in school, but I wouldn't, I didn't want to, you know, poke the bear. So. Stuff like that was important. 
No, it just, it was more important to not disappoint my parents and get that call, hey, your kid cut class. Like, oh, that yeah. was That was the bigger thing to me. Yeah. But um, no, I was never, I was never in trouble. I was never that kid. I was like the nice, happy kid. And I was also working. Oh yeah, you were working. Yeah, man. I mean, when you start working at 11 or 12 and I lived in the city for four or five months when I was on my first series, again, I'm 12 years old. And then, you know, you're around adults the whole time. Going back and hanging out with 12 and 13 year olds who are partying or 15 year olds, are, it just was boring to me. It's like- I've heard that from a lot of people that is. grew up young in this business. I mean, when yeah. I started Boy Meets World, I, I had my own apartment in Los Angeles. You yeah. know, I was doing my laundry, I was cooking my meals to then go back to you know senior high school parties was like, mm, yeah. I just, I felt like I, I just was older and didn't belong with everybody. So it was, it makes sense. It was weird. You got to wait then for everybody to catch up with you. Like, yeah. oh, you're there now at 26, that's good. Do you have any friends from back in the day? I do, sure. Still not many. Like high school, not so, many, but yeah. there's there's you know one or two that have been friends with me through everything, um, that are still still there. around. And those are the ones you always want to hold on to. So those, completely, those the, yeah, those are the good ones. Yeah, but yeah, sure, definitely, definitely, still some friends in Connecticut. And re re kind of reacquainting myself with some of the people that mm. are back there too. Every time I go back, it's like, oh yeah, I remember you. Because social media now, it's all these you, you know connect to people. yeah with people. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, I knew you in eighth grade, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah. I read. Is it true you wanted you thought about going to culinary school? Yeah, because you a long to, time. You now. love to cook. I've I do. known that since I've known you. I do. I love to cook, and I was. You don't get this body without knowing how to cook. Um, and I was. I was going to gonna go to. I was lost for a long time because you're you're one thing, and then something happens. So I was an actor, on camera actor, with a. Very good career. Very lucky. This isn't wood. Is it, well, it's wood in my head. Okay. There's wood underneath it. There's wood. I'll try this. There you go. Down here. Um, yeah. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> and that's what I was going to do. I mean, that's all. I, yeah. Boy Meets World was, was, was wrapping up. I had two different hold deals with ABC to do my own show. Um, I was ready to, to move on, and the anxiety hit me. Right, yeah. And that just kicks you in the butt, and you go a completely, anybody who's dealt with it knows that you're going one way, and in a split second, you are your life is thrown mm. way off course. Mm. So um, that's really when I threw myself into voiceover. Yeah, I was gonna say. So let's go back then. So so you so you're in New York and you're going back and forth and you're doing all this, this stuff. Good. It's good, right? Yeah, really yeah, good. It's really refreshing. Yeah. You end up getting cast on that show. How? On Boy Meets World. Yeah. It's actually a really interesting story. It's it's the story I tell people when I talk about fate mm -hmm. and also how if you open one door, your life goes one way and you open another door, your life goes another way. Right. So I get a call like you would for any other audition. We're casting for the Untitled Ben Savage Project. That's what it was called at the time. It wasn't mm. even Boy Meets World. It was the yeah. Untitled Ben Savage Project. They want you to come in to read for the older brother. I'm in New York. Or in Connecticut, driving to New York. And I get sick. So I don't go. And they cast it with somebody else. They went and shot the pilot. Another kid on the pilot. Another, another older brother. Yeah. Um, and the kid was fine. But he was like only an inch taller than Ben, who was 11 at the time. Oh. And they wanted him to be the older brother. So they said, we're going to recast. So I went, read again. They flew me out to Los Angeles. I read here. How old were you? 16. 16, okay. My dad came out with me for the screen test. And uh, he said, I, I walked out and I literally went like this to my dad. Like, like it was bad. So very I, I bombed it. Oh, dude. But going back really quick. Yeah. So I'm here a year before. They're shooting a, another show called Almost Home. So mm. Michael Jacobs, who created Boy Meets World, yeah, yeah. created another show called The Torkelsons. Okay. So The Torkelsons was then spitting off into a bigger show called Almost Home. 
So there's an older brother on that show, and it comes down to three people to screen test. Myself, Shiloh Strong. Oh, yeah. Who's our, our D&D buddy, yeah, Ryder, Ryder Strong's Ryder's older brother. brother yeah. And Jason Marsden. Oh, wow. Who's my best friend. Yeah, I was going to say, one of your years, Years and years and years. So Jason gets that show. Cut, cut to a year later, Boy Meets World, it comes down to three people. Myself, Shiloh Strong, and Jason Marsden for the, for the, no the, the role again. Was Ryder already cast? Ryder was already cast. He did oh, the pilot. So they thought maybe there was a chance Ryder and Shiloh were going to be together. But they don't really look too much alike. No, so that you could have gotten could could away with it. Pretty easily work, yeah. So they, uh, I ended up getting the part, but I didn't know that. I walked out. I thought I bombed it. I said to my dad, it's, it was terrible. And he said, what do you want to do? We're in Hollywood for the day. What do you want to do? I said, I want to go to the Ripley's, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, in, Ho in Hollywood? Hollywood Bowl. I, I, I was at Hollywood and Vine. It's or something like that. Yeah, Hollywood yeah, yeah. and Highland. Hollywood and Highland, yeah. So we're down there, and, and there's this is, again, 1993. So there's pay phones all over the place. He oh, goes, right. you know what you got to do? Go to the phone. Nobody has a cell phone. It doesn't exist. Go to the phone. Call your agent in New York. Just tell him you didn't do well and, uh, you know, what we're going to do, and we're flying back tomorrow. So I call him, and I go, look. And he goes, you got it. Before I could even say anything, he goes, you got it. This is the same day? It's the same day. It was right. I was, it was in, 40 minutes later. Was, you got the part. Now, at this point, there was no pilot. The show had already been picked up for 13 episodes. So he's oh, like, wow. you've got like a couple weeks. You've got, You're moving yeah. to LA. Yeah, you have a gig now. So I looked at my dad and we're like, uh. So he's like, let's run through the museum real quick. And then we got to go find you a place to live. So at the time, and I think it's still here, there's a place called the Oakwood Apartments. Yeah. At, yeah, that's Which is here. on Barn Boulevard uh -huh. in Burbank. It is only... Young actors and divorced men. It's the only people that live at the Oakwood apartment. And uh, we found one that was, they walk you into this one that's, you know, here's our tester model, which is gorgeous. It's yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. at all the stuff. We've mm -hmm. got it fully furnished. I, when I actually walked into my apartment, I was like, oh, this is like a prison. It was horrifying. It's like, yeah, naked. And... It was awful. But I was literally sitting in my bedroom in Connecticut, in Avon, Connecticut, on a Wednesday. And Thursday night, I was sitting in the, next to a hot tub with the Double Mint Twins and the kid from Free Willy. And I went, what the hell just happened to my life? It was the most surreal thing. And I was like, I got to drive myself to work tomorrow. And there was my first table read. It was so freaking bizarre. It was literally just like, is the kid from Free Willy? Double Mint Twins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, who was the kid from? What was the kid's I forget name his name. He was, he was nice to me. I forget his name. I, but okay, yeah. it was just so weird that my entire life had changed that fast. And then everyone assumed, we did 13, great, it's a little kid show, let's see what happens. You know, maybe we'll do, then we got picked up for 22. Oh my God, that's awesome. You're on for seven years. Yeah, 158 episodes something or like something that. like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so funny to me, man, when we became friends, because I, the thing that I, the thing that I always think about is, I think a year into that show being out, like maybe season two or something, <clears throat> my sister, I have, I have a sister that's, we're Irish twins. She's like a year and five months older than me. I think that's what Irish twins means. Yeah. Um, it, within 18 months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. My mom was like, ooh, she's a disappointment. We better have another one right Smart. Away. That's why they so have, my people. parents had me. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Because yeah. you're the youngest too, right? I am by, uh, by years. And cool, it's because uh, cool. I always say, my, my brothers say it was an accident. I say it's because God wanted to get one of them right. So it's, it is what it is. But see, neither of my sisters do anything in the arts either, and neither do my parents. Okay. But there's something about, and there's there's a lot of people who the youngest of the family ends up Takes being a sort of route. drawn yeah, yeah, to that yeah, yeah. thing. I think they watch everything. Yeah. But I was going to say, my sister in high school had one wall of her bedroom was completely covered in you, um, 
And the guy from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman with oh. the long hair. Oh, um, what a weird... Chad, Chad Allen. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just flowy, uh, you know, like yeah. mountain man. And then you had Will who was like... <laughs> well, I'm glad that I made your sister's wall. There were just, and I, I would go like, this guy. Of all the, you got Jonathan Brandis out there. Oh, poor Jonathan, You've yeah. got like all these, that, that was that time was yeah. like the big bopper, yeah. the team, Bop, like beat, all that stuff. Tiger beat. What was that like? Cause you, you couldn't, there had to be a time there during that show where you went into a grocery store and there was 10 magazines yeah. with your god awful face. Yeah, that was, that was the, the mid nineties. Well, I was lucky in that I had that for like a year until all the girls saw Ryder. And then yeah. Ryder took over as being like the Tiger Beat centerfold guy. Handsome. Oh, he's dreaming. Yeah. He's totally dreaming. He's but it is. It was it, the weirdest part was <clears throat> having to go back to Avon, Connecticut, to our little store, what where all the the kids used to hang out, like all the high school kids used to hang out, and you'd walk in, and there would be literally right next to where you checked out is all the Tiger Beats and Teen Beats. Yeah. And I'm trying to be like, I'm. Just, I just want to please, please, because I hated high school. The people mm. I didn't get along with people. They didn't get along with me. It was it was horrible. Like I was home with my parents every Friday night. I had no friends. It was terrible. Really? Why oh, didn't God, you get I along with people? I I thought I was I got along with people, but people just didn't like me for some reason. I don't know what it is. Well, you're very smart, and I think that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I think you are. At least you come across smart, and that's that where you be, win. Maybe it's that's pose. where you win is maybe that you posture yourself. Yeah. But I do know that it can be, especially if you're younger and you're somebody that's reading a lot of stuff that those kids weren't reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, the things that interest you were not really shared interest with those people. It's true. I also think people are like, oh, you're a young actor. That must be awesome. When you're a kid, anything that makes you different is bad. Mm. Um, it's just the way it was. And the thing that made it even worse was that coming back, especially now when I talk, you know, so I couldn't get a date for my senior prom. I was on a national television show. I couldn't get a date for my senior prom. So I didn't go. Well, they, well um, they, yeah. It was was awful. I could would, would like let it slip in school, like oh oh, there's a party this weekend, maybe I'll go, and I'll get a phone call from somebody going, you, you don't come to the party, you're not invited. Really? Yeah, it was bad. No, high school's bad for me. So mm. I'll go back now and meet kids, and now because I became somebody, they they've changed the history to now. I was friends with them the whole time in high school. Oh, of course. I was at all those parties. Don't you remember, man, dude? And I was like, Will was no. so trash. Yeah, that night. yeah, yeah. I was like, like, no, I wasn't yeah. there. They're like, no, dude, you were there. Yeah, you were it was there. you and me that whole night. Like, yeah, all of yeah. a sudden, now we're like the greatest friends. That's we really when history. I was like, mm, that, yeah. that pissed me off. More than Do you feel that that rejection drove you more to go into the business? I do. Because I want to talk, we're going to get into your anxiety thing pretty yeah. soon, but I'm starting to see. Oh, I'm starting was. to see a recipe for that anxiety disaster. It was, happened. it was, it was certainly anybody who deals with, with high school being tough or you're not the popular, because again, especially in a small town, most of the kids I went to high school with are the kids you grew up with. Yeah. I mean, my graduating class, there was 98, 98 people, my graduating Ooh, class. Our entire so school had less than 500. Wow. Um, so yeah, my, our graduation took like 47 minutes. Um, so these are people that you <laughs> ebb and flow with through, through your relate, you know, you have relationships, you're best friends in eighth grade and then you don't like uh, mm. high school starts and you find your click and I was kind of like that guy who was I was the rover like I was kind of friends with this group and kind of friends with that group but I wasn't really a stoner and I wasn't really mm. a sports guy and you I wasn't a skater. really a skater yeah. and I wasn't really an emo I mean you know yeah. that kind of stuff so it was it was that kind of thing where I just never had a group yeah um and then they also would would go back and go like well you're never there you were always acting you were never there and I'll go I missed six months of senior year 
that's it. Oh, because going, no, yeah, you didn't. Was... No, 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 dude, come on. You <laughs> yeah, were gone, you the, were whole gone the whole time. I was either gone the whole time or at every party. So they've rewritten history yeah. to be okay to me now. Yeah. And it was like, I wasn't bullied, really. It was just kind of ignored, which is mm. almost a different kind of level of yeah. crap. It wasn't that we hate Will, it's that Will just doesn't matter. Yeah, that's kind of, exactly, exactly. It's like it's like they always say the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, that yeah. kind of thing where you're just kind of like, because if you hate somebody, you still have the emotion toward them. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Oh, I fucking hate you. Yeah. Where it's, uh, other than indifference, it's just like, yeah, you're just, you're, you're just vanilla. Kind of whatever. You're just not there. Mm. That's kind of what it was in high school, until I became somebody, and then I was... I was the popular Yeah, guy. so when you went back to town, things were different. Oh, then everyone, I was invited to every, oh, was, every yeah. party. And then it's arms around. Remember that time we? Yeah, a lot of member that time we. But did you go, oh, well, I don't care that these people are only interested in me because of this corollary thing. I actually just want to be accepted and feel that? Or I were you kind of, did you see through it and went like, I started to do that, where it was like, that's all I've ever wanted was to be part of the cool, cool you know, and now I am. And then I was kind of like, mm. Mm. That, that was the again thing where it's like, no, I have my own apartment and my own, like, I'm done, I'm done with this. You're grown up, you grew, yeah. you outgrew everybody And I had too. friends in LA and I, you know, we, we, I had my own life here and I was never a part, like, I've been in LA 25 years, I don't think I've ever been to a club. So I was never yeah. like a club guy. Was a, we just had your group of friends and you'd, you'd go hang out, you go bowling, you go to, eat dinner, I mean, whatever it was. But it was, they were real. Mm. And I never, I didn't have that in, in high school. You definitely had a good family foundation there. Huge. And yeah. so when you came out and boom, money and success and notoriety hit you, how did you how did you handle that? Because you didn't you didn't go out and party. No. And you weren't sniffing cocaine no, off of no, 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 the butts God, no. of uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas no, or you know like that's well, actually, an image I'm not gonna get rid of. That's an image that's I think stuck you in my did, head. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I know Jonathan for years, by the way. Where is he? Well, I don't know. What's I he don't doing? know where he is now. But he was the Boy Meets they World and Home Improvement. Free Willy they should with and him. put Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas. That's kind of brilliant. No, but Boy Meets World and, and Home Improvement were right next door to each other. Oh, they were? So this oh, is how cool. our, our life was very bizarre, just very quick tangent. Our life was so, it was real in some ways and bizarre in others because you start a show and you're, you're doing a show, but you still have to go to school. So we had to do three hours of school every day on the set. And part of the legal thing we had to do was gym class. So we would play touch football or basketball with the Home Improvement kids every day. That was our gym. Oh, so it was wow. like super surreal. Would Wilson always hold the basketball he went in front of, in in front front of, his, of his, face. his face? No, but it was like all of a sudden, you know, you're you're having a normal day at work, and then you know Jonathan throws an elbow, and it's like, mm -hmm, dude, mm -hmm. what? The, so it's yeah, it's very, it was a very odd lifestyle for people that don't know. If you're under 18 years old, you have to or not have, emancipated, yeah, or not emancipated, yeah, because like Ashley got emancipated, yeah, a lot of a lot of, but kids a lot did. of that was so that the oh, it's just work related, stuff. sure, yeah, 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 but like you, you, uh, you have to have a tutor on set. Yeah. Or, or a, a parent or both or something like that, yeah, three hours yeah, a day. Three hours a day, you're in school. And it's, you know, people always go, oh yeah, set school, like that, yeah, that's I'm sure thing. it was real hard. My grades went from like uh, maybe a C, because I just didn't care in high school, mm -hmm. to I graduated highest honors. Because really? it's you and a teacher. Just that one-on-one. -on -one. Like you're not, you're, you're not screwing around and writing notes or wandering in class, because it's just you, it's a guy you going- You have to pay attention. Hey, it's you and me. Mm -hmm. So I Wake mean, I, yeah, <laughs> Wake I literally come on, come on. Um, my final, my final exam for Latin my senior year was translating the Odyssey. Wait, okay, yeah, hold the fucking yeah, Latin, yeah, six years, six years of Latin, yeah. Do I wanted to be still... an archaeologist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still know? A no, lot God, of... no, none of it. I always none of it. I used to tell. E pluribus unum. Oh, man, 
I used to tell people I always wanted to learn Latin and that would be such a cool. And everybody goes, why? That was my thing. What's but I had an answer to why, which is like, I want to be an archaeologist. But if I could go back, especially living in Los Angeles and change it to Spanish, that would have been the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Six years of Spanish would have been great. Yeah. I could use that all the time. Latin, I told people I wanted so to write a Latin soap opera. Did you? Until I found out that, that they weren't in Latin. That's not it. Okay. E pluribus unum. That's how it would be. That'd be very cool. Yeah, I can see that it was yeah. Sabado something. Right? Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, poeta, poetae, feminine. That's what I remember that. But no, it was so that's what we had to train. So I sat there with the teacher and we translated the Odyssey. I mean, it was like. And your grades, you actually. Shot yeah, up. That because makes sense. That was where my love of learning came from is set school. I mean, you look at Ben Savage went to, graduated from Stanford. Fred graduated mm. from Stanford. Mm -hmm. Ryder Strong graduated from Columbia. Um, I mean, it's like people go, oh, you just get in because you're famous. No, you get in because. It shows the difference of being one kid in the classroom, you know, in the inner city. They talk about how kids aren't being educated. It's because they have one teacher and there's 40 kids in the class. Mm, yeah. You know, you get one-on-one -on -one education for three hours a day. Mm -hmm. you, you either are forced to learn and you hate it, or you find the joy and the love of learning, which I did. And then it was just like, I just get to be taught for three hours. I've heard that. I've heard that 50-50 from people that grew up in the business. Oh, they love it or the they hate it. Thing. The, yeah. the teacher was like the worst because yeah. to them, yeah. it was like, I don't need school. I'm already working. Right. I have a career already. Yeah. So, so this thing is just and forced on me by law. And like anywhere else in the world, by the way, like any well, like public school, like anything else, it always comes down to the teacher. Because you have a great teacher. We did. We had several teachers to the point where when they did Girl Meets World, they brought the same teachers back. Oh, for, really? For the kids there. Oh, that's so cool. Great. That's my really teacher, um, a man named David Combs, the like he did was a set teacher on Wonder Years, all that mm. stuff. And before that, he was the personal teacher to the kids of the Shaw of Iran. Like he lived in the palace. Oh, really? Yeah. So this was a guy who spoke six languages. He he did and that was the guy where you'd sit there and And he was teaching teach you every day. Every day for Oh, who hours. wouldn't want to it was yeah. Sick. yeah, it was sick. And my grade shut up because of oh learning. Oh fun. It's gonna be enjoyable. And yeah. Oh wow, this is really cool. It was great. So You already but, loved <clears throat> you are you were already a studious person because of your interests. Yeah, just because of reading read and, and, and archaeology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I wanted to do is just read fantasy novels. Wow. I could have just read before I realized how horribly sexist they were, Piers Anthony all day. Or, <laughs> I know, yeah. Or that kind of stuff. Or you know, choose your own adventure books. I used to love those as a kid. But uh, yeah, it all started with Lynn Reed Banks, third grade with uh, wow. Indian in the Cupboard, which is one, oh, yeah, one, yeah. one of the greatest books of one all time. One of the yeah, classics. Um, yeah, phenomenal. But it was, so so it was, school was important to me at that point. Yeah. Um, but it was going home was was always much more difficult and I just wanted to get back to- You wanted to come back to LA yeah. and just be back with your people. Yeah, mm. and I loved working and I loved being on set and I loved being in front of the audience and it was, that was my life, it was phenomenal. So, 158 episodes yep. of Boy Meets World. When the show ended, how old were you? 24. 24 years old. Yeah. And immediately, you got you got development deal. Like you got deals. Oh yeah, no, you I got started yeah. up immediately. I was for other I shows. signed a deal with Disney. Disney, right. Okay. I signed a big deal with Disney and I went rolled right into another show with Andy Dick. Oh wow. Uh Andy Dick and Kieran Culkin. Oh wow, yeah. I hit I like to hit all of the I like to play the older brother to all of the young kids with really famous families. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so it was like Ben Savage, mm -hmm. Matthew Lawrence, oh, and right. Kieran Culkin. So I hit the Culkins, the Lawrences, and the Savages. Yeah. Uh in a in a, a small time. Span. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I did it did six episodes of a show called Go Fish, mm -hmm. which was not um there's it wasn't good. And uh and then you know rolled right into there to another show on the now defunct UPN network. Right. Right. Called Random Years. Mm -hmm. And 
I booked random years. Like they, they said, we want to put you on this show. Yeah, there was a conflict, there right? Was, yeah. What put, was that? That was for, so they then, what was the other network? UPN, there was something else. WGM. WB, WB. Or WB, yeah. WB was doing another show they wanted me to do. So I was on random years, but they said, we don't think we're going to do it. Because mm. Les Moonves, I think, had two shows that he brought over. And one of them was random years, and then Les Moonves left. So they said, oh, we're probably not going to do the shows that he brought. Mm. So I got cast in a show called Off Center. Mm. Um, and they were, you know, went and did the, the, the announcements and all that stuff like that. And then UPN heard that I was now on another network and was going to do a show. So they picked up my contract just to burn off the episodes just so I couldn't go to WB. Whoa. Yeah. It made like the new, it was in like all the trades and everything. Yeah. Cause like, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. It was for just someone young. annoying. Yeah. So off center ended up going like two seasons, which would have been great. Wow. Um, but it was, uh, it was certainly an interesting time in my life. So at what point did you start to have all of the panic attacks and stuff start? My panic, happening? my very first panic attack happened in the middle of a take in a movie I was filming that they used. So I can actually watch the movie and go first anxiety attack. I was shoot, I did a movie for Disney called H-E Double Hockey Sticks. Yeah, real thing. Where I played the, a minion about, of tell Satan. Tell me it's about hockey. It is, I was okay. a minion of Satan who had to come up and get Matthew Lawrence. Because, okay, of yeah. course, they like to put all their, their Disney the talent Disney on the same together, yeah. Who was a professional hockey player to sign over his soul to have his team win the Stanley Cup. And it was the two of us, Gabrielle Union, um, Rhea Perlman. It was an interesting cast. Yeah. yeah. And the guy who, who directed it is, do you remember the story about the director back in Kentucky or whatever who wanted to shoot on the train tracks? They said no. He sent the girl there anyway. The train killed her and he went to jail. That was him. What? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, I think he's still in. It was a couple of years. It was like a year or two ago. Yeah. He's still in the business. No, well, jail. no, he's still in you jail. I think, or maybe he's <laughs> yeah. out now. I don't know. He's a super nice guy, but you know, he was yeah. where, where they sent him. Um, <clears throat> and I was shooting a scene with Gabby uh, and Gabrielle, and the um, the whole world flipped. It just flopped on me. It was like three days into shooting this movie, and they I went into my dressing room and I was like, something's wrong. Because the first time anybody who's dealt with anxiety knows the first time you have an anxiety attack, you're dying. Oh, yeah, you don't you, know what it is. So you're yeah. dying. It's like, mm -hmm. I just had a stroke. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Something happened and I'm about to die. Yeah. So I was in my dressing room. I was like, I, I had to call somebody. So I called the director over and I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. But we, so they called the doctor down and the doctor's, you know, taking my pulse. He's like, I think you had an anxiety attack. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, I'm dying. I have cancer. Something somewhere. happened. Pull yeah. out my brain because something's wrong. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And he's like, no, I think, I think it was an anxiety attack. I'm going to give you some medication. I'm like, okay. So he gave me four one milligram Ativan pills for the la for the month of shooting. I had four oh, pills. Okay. And the problem is when you hear a diagnosis of anxiety and it you know it's not that, which again, 20 years later turned out to not be that. Right. But when it when it was that, um, and you don't know what it is, you start what I call the spiral. Where mm. you just you're thinking about it the whole time, then you're not sleeping, which is one of the triggers, and then mm. you just spiral down. Mm -hmm. Um, so this was I, think I, I had still a season or two left of Boy Meets World. And if you go watch Boy Meets World, I'm super thin, long hair, tan, really thin. And then I come back and I'm like 30 pounds heavier. Oh, and it's wow. because of the medication I had to take. Yeah. So you take the meds and you're just bleh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, oh, people always say like, Eric, uh, Eric changed a little bit. It's like, yeah, because the actor I was freaking out. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was the thing that I love more than anything was being in front of the audience. And that suddenly became 
the most terrifying thing in the world. So it, so yeah, how would that anxiety manifest itself? What, what, what were you? The way it always does, you know, you get, you, you, the world would spin for me. A lot of it was visual. Um, the heart, you get the heart yeah, palpitations, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cold sweats. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just the sheer terror. It was just like, you know, that when you read more about it and you learn more about it and you figure out what it is, it turns out to just be a very small tick in your fight or flight response. Right. But all of a sudden, it's you are just hit with abject terror for no reason. Was there certain situations that you would be in that would that would trigger yes. that for you? And the problem is when when you become an old hat now at, at anxiety, you learn, you know what your triggers are, mm -hmm. and you either avoid them or you go, look, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I'm going to knock it out as fast as I can. It's just the way it's going to be. But when you don't know what it is yet, you still don't know what your triggers are, so they're hitting you mm. at times where you're like, why is this happening? And you know, like one of them was all of a sudden flying, and, and flying's part of my job. And now I'm lot, sitting yeah. on a plane, going, "I can't be on this plane. I got to get off this plane." I mean, I'm like, why is this so scary all of a sudden? Um, so you just don't know what it's going to be. But it's uh, yeah, it sends you down the rabbit hole. Once you kind of are exposed to that level of anxiety affecting you, it becomes easier for stuff to hit you in that way. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then well, you're just you're an exposed can... nerve at mm -hmm. that point, and just one thing hits you then something else hits you and then and it can manifest itself in you know again it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're like i'm going to have an anxiety attack so you focus on it and then you can't sleep yeah and one of the triggers is no sleep so yeah. you're going to have an anxiety i mean it's just it can hit you and hit you and hit you and so yeah when we were at new york comic con this year mm -hmm. um i caught part of one of your panels and you talked about yeah. that you walked away from the business. And I don't know if you've really talked about it publicly that much before. I thought I had, but I guess I hadn't really gotten into it because then the next day I'm getting calls from the New York Times. There were like, so many like articles about all it. All over the place about all this kind of stuff. But it's like, also such a relatable issue for yeah. so many people out, outside of this weird sure. business that we're in that sure. it, it's an interesting story because you also were like on this, my sister's wall was covered with you. And then all of a sudden, I was gone. Poof. Yeah. So what what was it that okay, this job gives me anxiety and I can't do it or was it I'm having so much anxiety that I can't do the job it right? It was a little from column A, a little from column B. My problem is one of my major triggers is still auditioning. Mm. So it's difficult to be an actor when you can't audition for things. Um that was a big problem that was leading it, but it was also just when my anxiety was really bad. It was just being out. It was being out in the world. Mm. It was just too much. It gets mm. overwhelming and you start to feel frazzled. And I just kind of shut myself away for years. I shut myself away. And I just. I, yeah, I, what did you do? I'd hang out in my house. Yeah. Read and just read. Like... I'd, uh, you know, do voiceover. Mm -hmm. That was a godsend that I could do voiceover because I could still be creative and I didn't have to worry about being in front of everybody or how I looked or any of this kind of thing. So that was a huge saving grace in my life was doing was doing voiceover because I, I could still be in the business. I could still have my toe. I could still, you know, anybody who who is a creative person who has no outlet knows that you start to feel like you're pregnant and you can't give birth. It's yeah. like you can't, I've got, I'm going to explode mm. and I've got nowhere to go with this. Right. Um, so the voiceover was hugely helpful. But I did, I literally, I locked myself away. I mean, I was... Just, I mean, people say I was agoraphobic. I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I'd go grocery shopping or out to work or it wasn't like I was trapped in my there house. Certain but situations. I'd want to stay away from people as much as I could. And then I came to, I woke up one morning. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. No way like, to live. I just can't. I also just didn't want to continuously be medicated. Um, I, I haven't been on a daily medication in 10 years now. Because mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I just didn't want to do it anymore. It's just, I couldn't. Um, 
sometimes it's yeah. hard. It is. Sometimes it's hard, it and, and different different medications affect people's different chemicals ways differently. And, uh, I just it wasn't for me. I, I couldn't do it anymore, so I had to find other ways to do it. And one of the best things I ever did in my life that I recommend for anybody with anxiety or depression. I'm lucky in that I never. It was the strange thing is they're, they they're married a lot of times mm -hmm, anxiety mm -hmm, depression mm -hmm. and even when I was at my darkest I was never depressed I was never had to deal with that so that's that was a huge thing yeah um, but I always tell people the thing that saved me more than anything else was talking about it the second you talk about mm -hmm. it it's no longer taboo it's not you're not hiding it by yourself you, they they call it the proverbial duck where the duck it looks like it's floating nice but the legs underneath are going like this right um, the second you start to talk about it everything gets better. The, the thing that I found amazing, especially in Los Angeles, is if you're sitting around a table with 10 people and you say, I have anxiety, six of the people say, so do I. Completely. It's and that's just, disarming. It is. Because then you go, I'm not alone. Yeah, it's and awesome. You're, you're, you're reaching out to your brother and sister in that Phenomenal. way. Phenomenal. And you you get to help people because I, oh, I've been there already. I've been, you know, there's the, there's the great old story that they came up with where it's the guy who falls in the hole. You heard about yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the yeah. guy, the guy uh -huh. falls in a hole and a cop comes by, he goes, please help me. So the cop, you know, throws him down, handcuffs and goes, hey, you can arrest somebody who comes. Second, he sees a doctor come by, please help me. And the doctor writes a prescription, throws it down. And then he sees his best friend. He says, please help me. And the guy jumps in. And he goes, well, well, now we're both trapped down here. He goes, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. Yeah. So it's yeah. that kind of thing where it's, I've been able to help a lot of people now, which is great, mm -hmm. and gotten help from people mm -hmm. that have dealt with it longer than I have. Mm -hmm. um, but the second you do, you start talking about it, it becomes, it, it's just, it's it disarms it. You're pulling the curtain away from the great and powerful laws. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just a dude. And um, I find that the, even though the triggers or the, uh, I hate that word because it's just got so much baggage now. It does, it does. But it is. It, it, it is, is, but that's what, what it, is. it is, yeah. But I find that the trip wires, the, the trip wires may be different for each person. Oh, yeah. But the crux of that, sentiment and that feeling and that fear is the same oh it's yeah just it manifests is. itself in different ways sure and and the thing that's the thing that's gonna set you off isn't gonna set somebody else off and vice versa yeah um but it's uh yeah it's just and then i realized it was just something that i dealt with and i woke up one morning and i was like this is gonna rule me for the rest of my life or it's not mm. and i've got to make that decision now yeah. Um, and I did. And I, you, for you know, lack of a better term, you get up off the mat. This was yeah. 10 years ago, maybe. Um, and then it was, you know, things just got better, slowly got better. My relationships got better. My, I was back with friends again. I was enjoying the world again. I was getting in shape again. Mm -hmm. I was doing, you know, the things I had to do, which then opens you up to new possibilities. And again, I met my wife. Uh, well, we known each other for 18 years, but we re-met in that kind of capacity. Yeah, yeah. And I never would have been open to that years before. Mm. And then when then that, you know, when our relationship really started to take off, she really then supports me. And then you got to try this and then you should try a convention. And then you're out with people. And then then and now you're looking forward to it again. And now I'm getting the old feeling. And the anxiety's still there. It's not like people are like, hey, you conquered it. That's not how it works. No, it's yeah. always going to be there. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh, pff, now it's, yeah, oh, anxiety attack. Don't worry about it. Right, I have the tools. The I have yeah. the tools to handle it. I know that it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I know, and that I know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not like, oh my God, what is this? Oh, I know what this is. It's going to be gone in thirty seconds. And mm. now it's just annoying more than anything else. It's that little cat nipping at your heels. Right. Where eventually, you just go get the hell away from me. Yeah, you think she um, just shoot it with the BB gun? Well, that's another kind of weird way to go about it. There, serial psycho killer. But um, <laughs> no, so it's it. Yeah, it became a whole thing. And then there was talk of, do you want to get back on camera? Do you want? To, I don't know if I want to do that. And then Girl Meets World mm. happened. And Michael Irresistible. Jacobs. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't only that. He called and he said, if you're ever going to come back, you know, there's no better way. It's the same crew, the same cast, the same writers, the same set school teacher. It was like going home again. Yeah. So that was 
And to a place that Amazing. just meant a lot to you. Yeah. People that meant a lot to you. Because you're still so close with everybody from the show to this I day. am. And it was it was really important. And we want, I wanted to be there for the next generation. I wanted to be there for the kids that were, were on Girl Meets World. You know, the kids were phenomenal. And I mm-hmm. wanted to be there for them as well. Um, and I was standing backstage and heard the audience going nuts. And I got that feeling again. It was good. But it was the good anxiety. Yeah. It was that like kind the of anticipation. Great, it's like that amazing feeling. And I ran out and I, you know, got a standing ovation. I looked over and I just saw my wife bawling. Oh, wow. And it was one of those things yeah. where it was so special. And then I did a whole bunch of episodes again. And then it's, then I'm doing more things on camera, more things. And now I'm getting calls and now I have all these people whispering in my ear. And for the first time <clears throat> in a long time, I'm listening. So it's, uh, it's fun. There's some, some fun stuff happening. Do you feel like that period of time where you had to like, the darkness. The darkness, but you were also working on yourself and yeah. figuring your stuff out. Um, by the when it when it did come time to come back onto camera, sure you're still going to have anxiety and sure yeah. you're still going to have all that stuff. But did it feel like yeah, you had better tools? You knew you knew that if something happened, it wasn't going to be the end of the Absolutely. world. Absolutely, yeah. You could still work. It's also it's so cliche, but you have to find yourself. I mean, you have mm. to, and I, I had to. You either lose yourself in the abyss, or you find or some kind of strength it. inside yourself. Um, so yeah, it was hugely important that I did that. And I know myself better than I ever have. And, uh, you're, you're able to, again, about a year ago, I went back to my doctor and he said, I want to send you to a new guy. And he said, describe your, your, your first panic attack. And I told him what it was. And he looked at me and he went, and I went, what? He goes, that wasn't an anxiety attack. what, What do you mean? I've had anxiety attack for years. He goes, oh no, I'm not doubting that. They, what what has happened to you causes your anxiety and that you have an anxiety disorder. He goes, but your initial attacks and the big life snapping things you say you experience, he goes, those aren't anxiety. He goes, you're having seizures. It's like physical brain stuff. Yeah, so I literally have been having, se- like like a, I have a, a small seizure disorder that I've had for 18 years, which was misdiagnosed as anxiety, which then caused an actual anxiety disorder because I didn't know what it was. Because, yeah, you have no answers. So the doctor said to me, he goes, yeah, had, had you come to me 18 years ago, we would have given you one pill for for your, your seizures. Did you take that now? No, because he said to me, he goes, he, he, he said- out of it or something? No, I still have them occasionally. Yeah. But he said, he goes, I could medicate you, which you don't want to be. I really don't want to keep, throwing pharmaceuticals down Mm -hmm. my throat. I just don't. I don't know what it does to your body. Not one of those people who's like, don't take medication because medication saved my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I used it for a finite amount of time and Mm -hmm. then got it out of my life. It's Mm -hmm. not like I'm on medication forever. Right. Um, But it was one of those things where he said, I could give you a pill you take every day that is going to mess with your brain. Or you can realize that when these things happen, they last for 30 seconds. You get them once or twice a month and they're gone. And I went, I'd rather do the second one and just deal with it. Because again, I know what it is. So I go, oh. My wife even jokes. She's like, oh, I don't want to do this too quick because I don't want you to get a seizure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it is that kind of thing where it, you 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 don't know what's going to lead you where. That's why I talked about, you know, the doors opening and closing is because mm. I was, I had one very specific path in my life that I was taking. I was signing deals everywhere. I was going to do movies. I had all this kind of stuff. And my brain went, mm, you, need, you need a moment to, and that moment turned into eight years, but of mm. figuring out who you are, what's going on. I'm not, we're, we're not going to make this as easy for you as you thought it was going to be. Because we're, we're, I was coasting, man. Life is great. I'm mm-hmm. booking everything I want. And oh my God, I'm getting this movie. And I'm dating the hot girls and all. This is the greatest thing. And 
there's a part of me that's really happy that my brain went, mm -mm -mm, no, you gotta, let's find out who Yeah, you, you could have turned into a huge fucking douchebag. That's possible. <laughs> or who knows what? I mean, again, yeah. you have no yeah. idea what could have happened. At the very least, I wouldn't have known who I was, mm. which at the end of the day is the sucked. most important. And I was lucky in that, you know, I was very, been very careful with my money and all that kind of stuff. So I had the means to find myself. Some people don't have that luxury yeah. of it's like, no, you've got to work. You've got a family. You've mm -hmm. got this. You can't sit down and find yourself for years. So there's people out there that have to, that are, that are dealing not only with what I dealt with, but also with the fact that they've got serious responsibilities and stuff they have to have to do. I've got yeah. kids. I've got a job. I can't sit myself in my house and hope it all gets better as mm -hmm. I find myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I know that too. So they, the, it's those people that I, really take my hat off to where it's like, God, you were dealing with what I'm dealing with, but you're also going on with your life. And that's yeah. hugely important. And um, a lot of people I know that end up becoming successful into, you know, later on in life had a wilderness period like that. Yeah. They had a period where for your reasons or other reasons, I've, I've had several years like that. I went to Las Vegas for a couple of years and just yeah. dried out because yeah. I needed to. And you I had just to. like, I just wanted to be in the middle of nowhere and, yeah, I, well, they say not all who wander are lost, so it's it's true. Yeah, you that was J.R.R. Rowling know. that said that. Really? Okay. Yeah, the guy who runs Jer. the guy who runs the Perez Hilton blog. I don't think that's accurate. Did I get that wrong? I'm thinking that was wrong. We'll quality check that. We will that. spot check that. In the midst of that time, you end up getting into voiceover, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. How? <laughs> the they were casting for a show called Batman Beyond. Yeah. Um, and the Andre Romano, who we were talking about before, who's the the legend, legend in the of industry. voiceover directing. Um the, her so Bruce Tim, mm -hmm. who was a producer of the show, uh, and produced Batman the Animated Series, which is, in my opinion, the greatest, the greatest. animated series of I all agree. time. I agree. Um, bar none. Everybody mm -hmm. else is just playing for a second. Um, Bruce's wife was a Boy Meets World fan and said, you're casting for young Batman, you should bring this guy in to wow. read young Batman. And I read for it and I got it and it was. And you said in an interview one time that Kevin Conroy really helped totally, you. Completely took me under his wing. Wow. Yeah, Kevin's an amazing man. He is, yeah. And it was just yeah, little things, you know, sit back, roll your shoulders, open up your diaphragm. You wanna attack the microphone this way, attack. He really helped me out. And then, you know, a year or two later, I'm sitting in, literally sitting in between Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill just like looking between all the going, how the hell, don't say anything because they're gonna fucking kick you out. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. belong here. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I'm, that was the thing that Andrea, I mean, one of the things Andrea does better than anybody else or almost better than anybody else is, is her casting is mm. you never knew who was gonna be in the room with you. Mm. And there was always 15 people in there. It was never like, you're never recording by yourself. Solo sessions, yeah. And it was just, God, Mark Hamill. And I, you get, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. It was, it was on freaking real. And that was my first ever That's crazy. Voiceover it was. It was like, I always tell people I liken it to a a, an on-camera actor, somebody going up to you going, oh, you've never done on-camera before ever in your life? Okay, you're now the lead in the Steven Spielberg film, where it's just, you've got the best of the best, mm -hmm. and I'm going, what, how, what do I do? I don't belong here. I mean, it was yeah. incredible. So you booked this gig, mm -hmm. Bam and Beyond, mm -hmm. and it's your first sort of real steady kind of entertainment type thing since you had your time off and everything else. No, actually it wasn't. See, I was doing, people don't know, I was doing Batman Beyond and Boy Meets World at the same time. It was that, it Batman was Beyond that, was on that long ago? We started Batman Beyond in 1997. Oh, wow. And then yeah, Boy Meets World ran until what, 2000? 2000. So that was the thing. So <laughs> I, 
this is people think I'm joking when I say this is the God's honest truth. Thursday morning, I went and recorded my last Batman Beyond, and Thursday night I drove and shot my last Boy Meets World. They ended at the same time. Both series ended on the same day. Were you so sad? It I would was be one of those. So it was so sad. overwhelming. The man who I, I wish I knew his name. I'm blanking on his name, but the man he played the awesome bad guy in RoboCop and was the father on um, that '70s show. It's like JJ oh, or oh, Jack. Oh, oh, oh yeah 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 I know you're talking Red, about Red. Yeah, yeah. I forget uh, he played Red. Yeah, but I forget yeah, his yeah. name. I know him. Yeah. He was sitting next to me for the last episode of Batman Beyond. And he we, he was very nice. We were talking, and he said, hey, "You're all right." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I'm doing bad." And I, so I'm going to. Bed. He said, "You have two long running series ending on the same day." I said, "Yeah." And in the middle of the session, he stood up and lifted me up and gave me a hug. Oh, like wow. it was the he nicest. Knew. He, he knew because like, it was yeah. it was amazing. So both shows ended on the same day. Wow. Yeah. Did you worry that? that anxiety would cross over into voiceover and then you'd be like, I have nothing now. I can't do anything. I could, I don't, I don't think my brain would allow me to do that. Cause I, it was already like, you know, at the time you're, you get into that woe is me kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like, you've already taken on camera from me. I, I, you can't take this too. And I don't think my brain would allow me to, to kind of do that. No. So and, was, and then, and then the, your fight, your fight or flight kicks yeah, in. It was, it was, but the, the last thing I did on camera, the last thing that happened on camera was was I there was a long running show. I won't say what it was because it went for a long time and it's not fair to the actor who did it, but I was offered a long running television show, the lead a long run, it went for seven years after Boy Meets World. And I was having an anxiety attack in my backyard. So I went to the audition. It's the last audition I went to. I had a panic attack in the middle and I wasn't thinking and I left my cell phone number there. Oh. And I walked out. And the producer called me on my cell phone and I didn't know the number. I picked it up. Hello. Hey, this is. It is how you answer. Yeah. Hello. 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 Uh, this TV is, is well for now. Hello. Hey, yeah. It's well for now from the 1940s. I'd like the um, nuclear codes, please. That'd be great. Yeah. It's KL5-4164. Um, <laughs> and I you? said, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, hello. And they said who they were. And I instantly shot into a panic attack. And they went, we, we'd like you to come in tomorrow. Um, for a callback? For, for, for the, the final screen test. And I went, I'm in Mexico. Because I was freaking out. Oh, so I was like, lied? I can't let them think that I'm here. Because yeah, yeah, then yeah. I have no excuse mm. for not going in. So I was in my backyard. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make it. Sorry. And she's like, well, it's the final screen test. I went, you know, I really, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I couldn't really find the, the role. It's not for me anyway. Thank you very much. And I hung up like, woo. Yeah. And uh, 15 minutes later, my agent called. I said, uh, Max? What? And I went, yeah, man. Decided you said to, to run come down, down and grab some sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I got nothing at this point. But yeah. I'm, freaking out and uh i'm like yeah i'm sorry i can't can't come in and they're like well let me call you right back phone rings again and it's the producer again all right so i got you out of the screen test the role's yours all you gotta do is come in tomorrow you're gonna get fitted do the table read i'm sorry i can't can't do it can't come back can't do it that was the last thing i did in the industry it went for seven years wow so i lied and this was the last time the anxiety just cut the legs out from under me and uh yeah and i think about what it cost me and I go back and I go, I just needed to do that. You needed to do that. Mm. It's only the second time, the second time I've ever told that story because it was Really? Yeah, well, because I didn't it's also I don't want anybody to dig into what it yeah, is. And you don't because, want to poop on the actor. No, because the actor like, they got was yeah. great and yeah, deserved yeah, yeah. the role. Yeah. And 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 I'm sure in the long run did much better than I ever could have. Yeah. Uh, but it was one of those things where I, yeah, was offered a long running show, the lead in the show, said, No, I'm not gonna do it. And that mm. was that was it. That was wow. the last thing I did. So certainly been an interesting run with the anxiety, yeah. To me, one of the 
really cool parts about your career trajectory is you not only ended up doing voiceover in so many different awesome yeah, shows and yeah. um, Kim Possible and all the stuff, Transformers you were on yeah. for so many episodes, yeah. but you also wrote stuff. Yeah, you've yeah. Written, you've written, uh, yeah, Transformers episodes. You wrote some of the Girl Meets World episodes that they ended Thundercats up doing. Thundercats, yeah. I wrote the pilot for Teen Titans Go. That's right, written, Teen Titans Go. How wrote... did you enjoy writing animation stuff? Because that's, um, so, that's so I did fun. not want to write until the show that I met Maddie Mercer on until, until Thundercats. Thundercats, yeah. And then Thundercats was going a whole new way. It was going straight up fantasy, mm. like Arthurian legend. And I said to, went to the producer and I said, I want to write an episode and I'm, I'm lying oh So he was like, well, I guess I can't say no because I don't want to piss you off. So he literally went, okay. Like it was like, all right, if I'm going to have to force, like, all right. Yeah, and, and I wrote one. And he said, this is really good. We'd like you to do another one. I wrote a second one. The second one, he went, this is better than most of the other ones we have coming in from the freelance writers. Wow. We'd like you to not only write a third, but our only staff writer is leaving. And for season two, we want you to be the only staff writer. So get ready. We got our, our green light pickup. He goes, outline the next three, write the next one. I did that. Um, send in, got notes back. Mm -hmm. Then sent it again. He goes, the toys aren't selling. They pulled our green light. So just so weird like that, down to that huh? it was done. But uh, I always tell people that that show to me was so special, not only because I got to write, that was the first animated series I wrote, but also because I met Matt. And that's that's how I look at things. It's like, oh, I did this show and that show died, but I'm still really good friends with one of the actors. That's like how how I look at stuff like well, that. Well, he really credits you with helping him get through a lot of his imposter syndrome and his anxiety because he really? was so insecure. He, he, so he talked about it on his episode here. He was, that Thundercats, that show, the the previous incarnation, was so precious to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Huge. was so worried about. We all were disappointing, and he didn't feel like his performance was good. And he said you were the person that really encouraged him the most. And well, but the thing that was interesting was his performance was not good. Mm -hmm. He was terrible. He's untalented and a hack. I'm not even gonna finish. That's and all, all you that's did all was stopping. just tell him that truth. <laughs> no, and let Matt, he, he's one of those guys where it was you want to hate him because you go, God, he's really he's good. He's so good. And yeah. we got the same kind of voice, Timber. We're gonna be up against each other for some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but he's just so good and brought such an energy to the room. And and again, we look we look at each other and it's it, would look at each other during the thing and be like, this is great work. This is Lino and Tiger, man. And we're yeah. brothers in this yeah. this version. So this is awesome. But the thing thing I'll always remember is him turning to me one day and going getting a D&D &D game together with a bunch of my friends. You want to come play? And I was like, nah. I'm, I don't really I'm know. good. I don't yeah. really know much about it. Of course, it's Critical Role. Yeah. So that was, I think, one of the reasons why he's like, come and play on the show with us. Come come back and be on the show with us. It'd be great. So we just had so much fun. Yeah. Which led to then us playing our home games mm -hmm. and having so much fun doing that. You grew up a fantasy novel nerd yeah. and you still are a fantasy novel Huge. nerd but yeah. yet you never got into D&D &D, which is so never. weird to me because then you could act out all this stuff how come nobody you knew played it or? my older brother played it you back did? in the day yeah. when it was so old it was just D um, they added the second D in 86 such a stupid joke isn't it um, it's like my favorite joke when I say that guy's been around since it was old Hampshire um, I love that but the so uh, dumb, I'm it's horrible but uh no i never did never mm. played an rpg of any kind and i was at comic-con and matt and i ran each into each other on the street and he's like do you want to come and and be on our show and come play show, D &D? Yeah. and i was like okay and i still didn't know enough about it and then he's he said he's like so i gotta come to your house and we can create a character and i was like all right he's like come up with a character come up with the backstory that kind of thing so i did and he came over and i was like he'll be here an hour 
Like it was like seven hours yeah. later, rolling and crazy. Yeah. I had so much fun that I knew at that moment I was that was it. I was hooked. And then Mary and I became such good friends that we both mm -hmm. had so much fun on Critical Role that we were like, we kept saying, "Gotta get a, gotta get a home game together. Gotta mm -hmm. get a home mm -hmm. game together." And then we finally Eventually did. So we that did. Was, that was fun. You two are such a fantastic combination in that way because she also didn't grow up playing. Yeah. But you both took to it like that. God, we love it. And the combination of you two as role players. I love the whole cast and stuff. They're not in here yet. But I, you two, you two are my favorite role-playing team because you both know, ex it's the yes and thing. You both yeah. know exactly when to complement each other's thing or you also strategize very well. Yeah. But that's something interesting is you're such a strategist when it comes to RPGs. Love that stuff. But I think it's because you love history. You read so much about war. I do. And that's battle. the thing. It's, and, and it's exactly what it is. It's straight up going. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is this is the second battle of Old Run. Okay, right. So we're gonna have to attack it this way. Yeah, I uh -huh. love doing that stuff. You love you know all about ships and yeah, like, like, yeah, I love all that. Ah, uh, you should have been playing Travis's character this season because he doesn't know anything about ships. Yet he's supposed to be a you <laughs> know, supposed, supposed to be, to be like this. He doesn't <laughs> know anything. It's fine. What do you what do you love about what do you love about role playing? That's it's different from acting. It's completely different from acting. Well, it's you know what it is? It's improv with consequence, which mm. I like because that's no. I mean, normally you do an improv class and it's hey, that was great, thanks, and uh, you know. But the, the, now you're you're in with the party and you're in with your. There's a goal to it. There's an overall arc, and if the story's told well, um, which Mercer doesn't do. We, no, he we, doesn't know how to. No, very bad at it. But if you're with a real DM, yeah, um, they, uh, you, I mean, you get sucked in. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. especially the game we're playing right now. You're you're one of our DMs. Yeah, we're completely sucked into this world, and it's phenomenal. So we kill you, God, I love it. You have on camera stuff. You have BO stuff. Mm -hmm. You play RPGs at home. You play them online sometimes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now painting. Yeah. And you talked about how painting helps with your anxiety it too. It does, hugely, yeah. What is it about it? Is it because it gives you, it, it forces you to sit still to focus on something that's not the thoughts that There's are constantly that. spiraling it's, out it's of control? The, it's the, you're able to clear your mind. It's very zen. Anybody's painted anything, I imagine, because I can't paint on canvas at all. Right, 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 um, yeah. And that's what, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people when I, when I tell them about painting minis, they'll say that to me, like, well, I can't paint. And it's like, I can't draw a straight mm -hmm. line. I have no artistic talent like that at all. Right. Um, but painting minis is there's something about it. You can pick it up. It's just it's more of a more of a skill than a talent. I mean, obviously, you meet some people that have the talent where they take it to that next level, and you just go, my God, that should be in a museum. I'll never do that. Um, right. Men and women that are just mm -hmm. to the next level. I could do Painters Guild or or any type of painting show for a thousand years, and I will still never, never ever that get good. to that point. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like you can sing or you can't. You can learn how to sing, but you can't learn to have the talent. Mm -hmm. to sing. Um, but I, it, it is. It's Zen. It's the smell of the paint. It's the, just the fo the constant focus. It's very, very, just mellow and wonderful. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's great. And that's because yeah. of Marisha. I mean, right. that's, you know, I, I, you know, Matt is RPGs and Marisha is is painting minis. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Marisha called me and said, we, you know, it was because the whole thing started because of our first campaign. Yeah, you had you had a mini of your. You were playing a. Tiefling monk? No, it was a, no, it was it was a, a, a drow, drow monk. monk. A drow yeah, monk. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. pictured the color. Yeah, yeah. You were playing a drow monk that you used to call Cialis because his, his name was Cialis, and you call. And him I would Cialis. always find occasion to go see Cialis. Cialis. Yeah, it was nice. But you <laughs> painted the poor guy with magic marker. Yeah, that's and how then it was done. You sent a, or I took a picture. Well, because I put threw it up on the table, and you were like, "I shamed you." In what front the of hell was that? And you I took remember a sending a picture to Gil. Yeah, and going, "Can you believe this guy?" And you sent it out. And Gil goes, "Is that magic marker?" 
Yeah. He's like, let me paint the thing. And he did. He ended up painting. He did. He painted it. And uh, but Marissa, Marissa called me, and she's like, we. I sent her that picture. Yeah. Like, look, what, goes, look at Will's mini. She's like, oh no. She goes. She called me. She's like, I just saw your mini. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, I know. She goes, you might. Can we do a show where we teach you how to do it right? And I was like, what? Such a Are good idea. Are you kidding? Yeah. She's like, no, we want to teach you how to do it right. So all of that is because of again, RPGs are because of Matt, and painting is because of Marisha. I don't know what I would have done without them because they're the, the both of those things have become a very significant yeah. portion of my life. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's I have a lot to thank for for that. So, wow. Yeah. Um, and they're awful people, so I don't know what to say. I, yeah, it's it's bad. Well, it's hard to recommend them to people. Yeah, he's not talented, and she steals things. That's what I. Tell she's them. a klepto. Yeah, and he's a hack. <laughs> and he smells funny. This Can't smell bad. him through the internet. I feel like any moment someone's gonna. <laughs> just waiting to have him walk in. No, it's really when when I really think about it. And it's also it's not just that, but I I said this to Matt before. I think I said this to you on the talks episode where you had all the guest stars. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. That cr coming on Critical Role. Um, Changed my life in so many ways, and not just that, but I mean, Mary and I have become super close. Mm -hmm. You and I have mm -hmm. become really good mm -hmm. friends. Um, it's it's giving me a whole new group of friends, a whole new kind of aspect of my life I've never had before. That's it has become that super important, um, and that's the community around this is so incredible. Yeah, that uh, to be a part of that was was really cool. Yeah, mm. yeah, amazing. What's the most obscure? fantasy series that you own in books because the stuff that you mentioned i don't know what you're talking about 99 percent of the time and those and aren't obscure i mean i say I, I, like wheel of time is not obscure see i don't know mistborn not obscure no uh a stormlight archive not obscure see these are all uh, me, uh, assassin's apprentice not obscure okay now i mean again in the okay, fantasy yeah. world those are not obscure because i've just mentioned uh uh you know Robin Hobb, who's a phenomenal author, I've just mentioned. Brandon Sanderson, who's a phenomenal author. Um, you know, it's one of those things where those are not particularly obscure. But when you get, you can get super obscure. I mean, then my favorite fantasy series of all time is also not obscure, and that's the Belgariad and the Malorian series. It's David Eddings. That's right. a little bit younger, but there's I can, I delve into those all the freaking time. Did you read Dragonlance? Liam's obsessed. Of course, with of course. Dragonlance is great. Yeah. Dragonlance is great, and and they're they're wonderful. That's far more D and D. That's more mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's certain series that you read, um, like you know, Dave. I think his name is David Drake. Does does a series. Um, yeah, I, again, obscure, it depends on if you're in the world or not, because you always hear, hear about things and then you, I, I love going down the rabbit hole where you know you read. That's one thing about nerddom in all of its glory that I love more than anything else is pulling, like scratching the surface, like mini painting. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, what Crystal Brush Awards and oh my God, there's a whole, there's a world there's a whole around world this. of that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 And it's like that with fantasy, it's like that with comic books, it's like that with RPGs, it's like that with everything you, you scratch the surface. And that's the thing that I, I love about nerddom is exactly what I love about fantasy novels is is nerddom is always, whatever you find is always book one of 40. Right. And so you, you paint one mini stuff. and you've got 20 years mm -hmm. of whatever the hell you want. You mm -hmm. pick up book one of a series and I know I get to be with these characters for a as long, long as the series wants to run. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. That's yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. But I mean, there's yeah, there's there's tons of, of, of fantasy novels out there that are... The series are some of them are more obscure than others, but for the most part, they're they're out there. Does the fact that you've read so many different types of fantasy novels does is that what ruined 
Game of Thrones for you. Because I will never stop shaming you for the fact that you hate I Game know, of Thrones. I don't hate Game we of Thrones. We don't hate it, you just, you're, it's, like, have, it's like all your high school friends were towards you. You're just indifferent. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I, I, I have, so I've read all the books. Mm. I think they're good. I, I do, I think they're well-written. I think they're good. Um, I, I've tried to get through the series. I've been to like the last episode of season one 14 times and I just, just can't, can't get, get I can't get yeah. over the hump. I can't get over the hump. What is it that, that I don't know. It's just I'm not engaged. And I also know, spoiler alert, that everybody dies essentially. And I, I get why people like that, but I'm one of those people where I, I like to be able to root for somebody. Well, you just said that part of that connection to you to those books is, is the, the fact characters. that you get to follow someone along. And that's what made me think of Game of Thrones, is it's yeah, the opposite. You don't get to grow with anybody. And I know there are some Sansa some and there are certain yeah. characters that you, Jon Snow, certain characters mm -hmm. you can get to grow with. But I'm convinced the only reason you get to grow with those characters is because they made a show. Had they not made a show. Oh, you think they would have killed him off? They'd be dead. He would have gone with exactly what he did and they'd be dead. But somebody, some network executive went, dude, we got to have one regular on the yeah, show. Yeah, we got to yeah. have somebody that the audience can connect with. Can root for Because it. after a while you go after the first initial, oh my God, they killed the hand of the king. I can't believe that. That's amazing twist. Then it's like, oh, you're just killing everybody. Just every season, someone. So it's yeah. like, I can't, I just don't. It was like Sopranos. Everybody loved The Sopranos. I loved The Sopranos. It was great. But when you go back and you watch The Sopranos, The Sopranos was amazingly formulaic. Oh, right, Every yeah. season was, after the first season, when you got to know everybody. Mm -hmm. Then you got to know everybody. Then the second season started, and then every season was, first episode, meet somebody that just got out of prison, mm -hmm. that gets involved in Tony's life, that he uh, that screws it up to where at the last episode he has to kill some mm -hmm, person. Mm -hmm. That's, That's every like season. single yeah. season. And it yeah. came to that point where it was like that with Game of Thrones, where it's like, okay, whoever I'm liking right now, he's gonna kill. And mm -hmm. I just, so I just, started to just not care. Yeah. And that's the thing, like like Wheel of Time is a perfect example. And and people have problems with Wheel of Time. I have problems with Wheel of Time. One of the reasons is because when Robert Jordan was writing it, it was supposed to be six books. And it became so popular that they came up and they said, can you double that? So he literally went, okay. So there's books in the middle that just meander. And they're very right. formulaic. It's like Lost. It's like exactly. two, there's two seasons of Lost that you could just throw away. Exactly, where yeah. it just doesn't matter. But they, you know that the, the uh, you know, the Forsaken, or some Forsaken is going to show up He's gonna, he or she is gonna do whatever, and then he's gonna kill him at the end of the book. You just know that's gonna be, and because it's Robert Jordan, you know it takes 1,100 pages to get there. <laughs> so it meanders. But you're with certain characters for 14 books, yeah. where you've been for, you know, literally 14,000 pages, you're watching a character or two ebb and flow, they get bad, they get good, they mm. come, to, and there's something with that hero's journey, which is still, it's like, I don't wanna watch Star Wars if by halfway through Luke's dead, then Han's dead, then Leia, I right. just, who the fuck am I rooting for? Yeah, exactly. And that's my problem with Game of Thrones. And I know people have a lot of problems. I have big problems with Lord of the Rings and that gets people to go, are you kidding me? And I don't I, wanna hear your problems with Lord of the Rings. Do you not? All right. I don't wanna fine. hear it, I love it. Why don't it. we just halfway through the book, just have eight more Hobbit songs and we'll call it a day. Well, but that's see, but. No, don't the, tell me that's what it's the, about. The lyrics are so beautiful. Okay. And it's, it's, you know what? You know what the Hobbit is. You, you know when, what game you, is? when you saw the movie and they were all singing and and and, and, yeah, and throwing and the plates to each other, that didn't that doesn't warm your heart. You know, watch no. that every Christmas. No, that doesn't warm my heart. Why? Because they just it, there was nine Hobbits they made up that weren't in the book to make three movies that weren't in the book. Ah, no, they weren't it's Hobbits. Three hundred page uh, book. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a three. Yeah, no, there's one Hobbit and then the rest were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was one of those things where it just. It, it wasn't for me. You know what? You know what? Lord of the Rings is for me. 
I always equate Lord of the Rings to the Model T Ford. Okay. Which is, it's a phenomenal car. It did more for the automotive industry than anything else in the world. Way better cars now. Okay, so what's, so Lord what's, of the what's Rings, better now than 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 Lord of the than Rings? Lord of the Rings, it I still would, holds up. I would again argue that uh, most of Brandon Sanderson stuff is oh, the, see, you're the so, magical yeah, systems yeah, yeah. are so out there and so phenomenal. Um, but would there have been? But that's what I'm saying. A Bradley Anderson, what's his name? Again, Brandon Sanderson. If there was no, again, that's what I'm saying. Model T Ford. Mm. In that Lord of the Rings was the original fantasy novel. Actually, the Odyssey is the original fantasy novel. True. But Lord of the Rings is the original fantasy series that made all of the fantasy series possible. That paved the way. The Model T Ford paved the way. Better cars now, there's better fantasy now. I understand. That's all I'm saying. No, and understand. by the way, Lord of the Rings is one of those books where when you're in a room of fantasy nerds, you go, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. The whole room goes, oh, are you kidding me? But then half of them come up to you out of earshot and go, I don't like I, I, I also, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's but you don't want to have the mob against you. This is one of the things I love about you though, is that you're not afraid to, to be <laughs> contrary, <laughs> not for the sake of being contrary, which is me. Right. I do it just to, just get, a to get a rise out of people. Nice. You're honest about what you like and you don't, yeah. and you don't worry about hurting no. someone else's. No, of course like not. Because if you love Game for... of Thrones, you're going to love Game of Thrones. By the way, I have no doubt whatsoever that if I could get over that hump, I'd be absorbing the show mm. left and mm. right, left and mm. right. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. I'm sure that if I could just get past it, it would be, because the acting, wonderful. It's a beautiful show to watch, mm -hmm. but it's just so far, I just don't care yeah, about I get anybody. It. I totally. And I want to, I like caring about people. I want my Harry Potter. I want yeah. I want to care about Harry and Hermione and Ron. Yeah. And they're, again, you kill, you kill Harry Potter halfway through the first book. I just don't care. Yeah. So it's uh Yeah, it's a it's a hard that's that's a hard adjustment. Yeah. Then yeah, who do you root for? That's the thing. Yeah. I like rooting for people. Who's the hero? I like everything spirals downwards. I want to mm -hmm. spiral up occasionally. Yeah. And that's that's the fun thing. A couple years ago now you got married. A year and a half? How Two. long's it been? Two, Two years? Two years now, yeah. Oh yeah. How's married life? You're having a blast. Dude. I do. Every time I see you, I do. You guys just did something fun. You and Sue, your yeah. lovely wife. Yeah. Um, so you said you knew each other for 18 years. You knew each other 18 years. We dated originally 18 years ago. And she and wasn't for her. It was well, we have there's an age difference between us. Yeah. So I wasn't ready. We were in very different places in our lives. You're younger. I was I'm younger mm -hmm. than she is. And uh we literally we remained friends the entire time. She I mean, I'd see her all the time. Mm -hmm. We lived in the same town, we run into each other everywhere. Um, and she was with the guy for like eight years in between. I was going through my thing. I also was dating in between there. And then, uh, yes, yeah, seven or eight years ago now, another reason why I miss Blockbuster Video or any video store. Stop looking at the camera, No, man. camera's mine. Oh, did you talk camera's to me? Camera's mine. Camera's mine. That's right fine. here. That's fine. Uh, is that uh, without Blockbuster, I wouldn't be married right now because I was returning a movie as she was walking out of the grocery store where we reconnected. And five years later, I proposed her on the same spot that we remade. That's right. Yeah. Now, what was the movie you were returning? Do you remember? Okay, I have no idea. I honestly Was it McGruber? That's, yes, that's what, it was McGruber. It was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was Shakes the Clown, no. Won't watch season two of Game of Thrones, <laughs> but I'm out here for McGruber, I'll, guys. I'll try season two of Game of Thrones, but yeah, it's-, it's Come like, over and watch it with me. I try to eat the popcorn and I, can I be honest with you? I, I take very little comfort in the things you like 
because you're such a fan of The Bachelor that I know that we're probably not going to be on the same page with stuff. <laughs> what you have to understand, <laughs> here you go. You've got to come over on a Monday night and watch because I got logic to come on, and now he's he's obsessed. But you have to you have Great. to understand the way that, Bobby. the way that we watch it. I did. He's, he's lost all rap credit. The way that Excellent. we watch it is, we drink. Okay. Um, there's certain people. I'm not going to name names. You know, marijuana is legal in California. Now. It is. Uh, for some people, uh, reality TV can be enhanced. Uh, uh, it would have to be, by, or else what the hell would the point we be? We get really fucked up and we yell at the TV. We watch it ironically. We make fun of those people. We 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 talk about what what mm-hmm. what those experiments do to humanity. Can I as a can whole. I tell you it's something? It's amazing. But can I tell you something? If you watch season after season, you are no longer watching it ironically. Do I have an issue? You no, you just like The Bachelor. You're that person. I you, love it. See, that's I watch all and again, of them. I'm not saying I'm saying don't like if that's what you like, own that shit. Like you like The Bachelor. Here's the thing. I do. I do. But it also is an excuse for me to have people over every Monday night because I get I, things get pretty busy. You sure, know what no, it's no, like. Of course, We're yeah, always yeah. like yeah. trying to schedule our D&D game is it's a night possible. Yeah, it's hurting cats. You guys people are always out of town. Yeah. Mary and C travel out. It's an excuse to have Everyone over on a Monday night and just hang out. Yeah, and I think that's what I like now, about it. Can't the most. you do that without the degradation of the American family and society happening well, on the screen in front of you? The thing is, is on the nights where people can't make it, I still watch it. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm saying. No, I am. I I am one of those people. I'm also a television addict, mm-hmm, purist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love television. I think television is done correctly, like Mash, All in the Family, Cheers, Friends, Seinfeld. It's mm-hmm. a play in your house every day. Yeah. Or every, you know, whenever it's on, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the, the horribleness garbage. that yeah. is reality TV show, which is kill, which is just killing it for everybody. You watch Seinfeld every single night when you go to bed, don't you? You My and Sue watch Seinfeld. Really? She just loves that show. Every single night we watch Seinfeld. And, and you said, babe, how about Friends? How about Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she won't sleep. She's like, no, I know Seinfeld, by the way. I, this you is said not... you'll wake up in the middle of the night. And we'll put it back and on. And you'll turn it back we'll on and then on. fall back to sleep. And fall back to, to sleep. I will bet you I have seen Seinfeld more than Seinfeld has seen Seinfeld. I mean, yeah. Probably. I will. I, there is I not, there is not, like, if you wanted to, you could pull up your phone and go to any episode, any season, and hit a button, and I could do the scene, everybody's, everybody's role. Do you know any lines from the Puerto Rican Day Parade episode? Which one? Where do you want me to start in the episode? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Remember that was well. exactly exactly. What about when when Kramer does the turkey basting or he puts like butter on himself? And yeah, goes that's up called to the, the butter. That's the episode called the butter shave. That's <laughs> episode one of season nine. No, no. Yeah. you know that. See, that's how so I, I was buttering myself Deadwood. up for. A I'm that shave. way with Deadwood. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who's going through Deadwood right now, and he's like. Oh, I'm on episode eight of season two. And I'm like, oh, that's this episode yeah, and this happens. I'm exactly. Like, I'm that's, that guy. That's, about that's, it. How, that's how we are. The butter shave. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Seinfeld's no, I, so great. Whatever. You t- give me an episode and give me a scene and I can do that. That's how I am. But great TV shows like that are comfort food, right? Because you can are. put it they on are. when you go to bed. They just, are. And those they, are your friends. Warm. You're familiar with them. Absolutely. It's that same kind Absolutely. of a thing. Like and I saying. never, if anybody came up to me when I was at the height of my career, even when I was at the height of my fantasy of what my career was in my head, I never wanted to be a movie star. I never, I just wanted to be on a sitcom. That's what mm. I never wanted to do. I always wanted to be Michael J. Fox and Family Ties, which right. is why I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here because of Michael J. Fox and Family Ties. Yeah. Yeah. And Alan Aldon Nash. I'm sitting here because I owe a lot of people a lot of money. I know. And you've got bench warrants and you can't <laughs> go back to several states in the union, apparently, which is interesting. I love that. 
<laughs> I love that story. It's genius. Oh man, God, I love TV. But I, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, reality TV is killing it because you don't have to pay anybody, mm-hmm. and it's just my wife watches the Real Housewives. Mm. I'm so guilty I'm, of it too. I'm a Jersey Shore fan. I'm an old school Jersey oh, Shore. Yeah. It's hysterical. But it's it's human cockfighting. It's <laughs> it's filming the worst parts of society, and and there's been unfortunately a, a big crossover contamination of of celebrity now meaning important. Have they, have they so ever? It's terrible. Have yeah, exactly. Because what what used to define someone that's celebrity or known is totally different now. Yeah. But have they ever asked you to come on any of those like celebrity reality shows? Yeah. Like oh, celebrity sure. Big Brother. Sure, or, sure, sure. Uh, Not the Big Brother, but yeah, they was asked to do all that kind of you know the, yeah. some some of that ridiculous stuff, and I was just no, I'm not, not doing it. You should host like some Nickelodeon game show. That would be dude. Fun. I started on Nickelodeon. You started I, on don't or please sit down. Don't Let's, don't just sit there. Don't just I was, sit there. I was old school Nickelodeon to the point where I got slime. That's how old. Oh yeah, I but yeah, you did. You did. Uh, don't just sit there in like ninety two. No, eighty eighty eight seven eighty seven eighty. Oh okay. Wait, yeah. what was it? Someone was in ninety eighty eighty seven yeah. eighty eight. Was, wow. was don't just sit there. Yeah, back in the day, you got slimed, huh? Oh yeah. What's Nickelode- a slime like? It's uh. Well, I got slimed when I went. I went and did. You can't do that on television. Yeah, 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 in yeah, Canada. yeah. And the slime, it's like uh, uh, oatmeal, oh. baby shampoo. That's what makes it like all stringy. And uh, yeah, and then they get, you know, you see it, it falls from height. No, it's just a guy standing over the ladder in a bucket. bucket, And they they teach you how to do it. Like first thing, right when it hits your head, you're supposed to look up like, I can't believe this is happening. So then it covers your face. So you're like, oh, Uh, no. no, Great. So yeah, it was all that stuff. Frank's up there. It was so much fun though. It was, I mean, I've, I've done some things in my career, especially when I was younger that you look back on now and you go, I mean, the chances of being able to do that. Mm. My job for Nickelodeon when I was 14 um, they were moving Nickelodeon from f- from New York City to Florida at Universal Studios in Florida. Oh, right, in yeah. So uh, two months before the park opened, they moved my cast and I down there. And our job was to to go through the park every single day with a camera crew and just go on all the rides without the park open. So we had the entire park to ourselves for two months. Whoa. We'd just go on all the rides and film it all day long. That was my job. Whoa. Uh, we had our own amusement park for like two months. That was my job. Did yeah. you ever like pee on anything cool? Or uh, not that, like, that I can talk about. Really not like, that I can talk about. But when you're 14, somebody says to you, oh, Universal, that's yours now for a couple months. I mean, crazy. Ugh. I play. I did a show at the Royal Albert Hall in London where I got to, I was in front of 10,000 screaming fans for, for, for Disney. And it's like, I was on the same stage as the Beatles. I mean, stuff, I got to do some things where I look back that if, if my career ended tomorrow, which in this business is it absolutely could. possible. Absolutely could, yeah. It could end tomorrow mm-hmm. and I could never work again. We see it all the time. You say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, your career's done. Yeah. I could look back and go, I got to do some really cool stuff. Well, I think if your career ends tomorrow, it'll be, it'll be because you talk shit about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think it might be possible. I think it's possible that it's because I talk, I talk shit about Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. I know oh, I'm that man. guy. I'm that guy that didn't like Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. It's yeah, okay. I'm that guy. Did I read you were on a politically incorrect episode once? We did a couple. We did one episode that was all boy. There's the whole cast of Boy Meets World. It was the four of us. Yeah. What talk about talk posing about? that was me like pretending to know politics like, yeah i was gonna say what was that like because mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a gauntlet of it was a the, lot of intelligent fast and me moving yeah. people and then the you. first episode i was on it was myself um um what's her name uh, ann coulter oh yeah mm. um she's just so lovely uh yeah uh jane seymour dr quinn dr quinn who asked me if i wanted drugs um, they were she so, did well on on camera. She was talking about. She's oh. like, all kids want drugs. She turned me. She's like, answer me this. Do you want drugs? And I was like, uh, I, uh, no. Do you, what, do you have some for after? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, then you drive. It's the yeah. George thing where you're driving home, going, yes, that's what I should have said. 
that's that's the comeback by the way is the name of that episode oh um, yes yeah, so uh jane seymour jane and seymour coulter and coulter myself and i forget who the fourth was probably like kid from kid and play Pro- yeah no i kid, kid you know episode. kid and play uh taught me or taught me how to hip-hop dance uh, back on nickelodeon let's take a look Let's, let's, Can you let's still do it. it? <laughs> let's do it. Can you still do it? Kid and play. They taught me how to hip hop dance back in that back in the day. For Nickelodeon? Yeah. Did you, did it stick? Probably not. You don't strike me as much of a dancer. Of a hip hop dancer? No. No. I mean, no, we'll give it a shot. Not too much. It's hard when you're wearing your older brother's. Suit. I am. Do you like it? I borrowed it from my dad. It looks fantastic. This is my suit. With my it looks awesome fantastic. Lining. Thank you very much. Dude, thank you, you so is... much for dressing up. Thank you for taking time out of your of schedule. To come this in. was there was literally nothing else to do today. This is why I'm here. I had I had stuff to do all week and nothing to do today, and I was like, oh, I gotta go do these things. Are you yep. kidding? This has been great. I, lo- I love. When it. I asked you to come on, you said, "What did a dead person cancel?" That's what I, said. I did. I was like, "Oh wow, you can't interview Sam again, can you?" Great. He asked. <laughs> he asked me if we could come on one episode of every season. I think that's kind of brilliant. It's not. I think that's kind of brilliant. One Have you done it? Did you do the entire cast last last season? Did you do everybody? I didn't watch all seven. I did everybody but Ashley. She's up. That's next. right. Yeah. But you don't really know her well. You got us. I'm looking and... forward to getting to know her better. I think it's good. Yeah. She's, I have all uh, of my all of my questions nice. I've always wanted to ask her lined up. Do you know that I think the first time I met Ashley, I think she was seven or eight. You told me this. What, like what literally, was, I think she was the, seven or eight what years old. What was the? Uh, remember Who the knows? thing? Yeah. But we would always you'd always run into each other at like you know teen events yep but i literally i think she was seven or eight years old the first time i met her that's the if thing. that like if that yeah yeah that's the thing i hear from talison is that the, all the child actors and everybody just always circle. saw yeah, each yeah, other yeah. and was she in lionheart with jean-claude that Van was Damme? her first film was lionheart that that was her first film is an underrated jean-claude van damme movie. fantastic that's a freaking great movie lionheart. yeah yeah that's a freaking that great one movie. and the one he did with dennis rodman he did a film with Dennis. It's Rodman. bad. I'm joking. Oh it's God, terrible. it's can't, can't be as bad. Do you remember? Do you remember um, sudden death? Yes. Yeah. What was that like? Ninety something. Uh... I forget. It's not that. It's not as no, good but... as the one where he plays his own twin brother. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was double trouble. Double trouble. Twice, or double twice Im- the Van Damage. That was the key. That was the tagline. He'll do twice the Van Damage. Yeah. We got to get Matt to use that in the game. We should now do very quickly before you're going to wrap up because I can tell you want me to get out of here. I can. Tell I just. I really want to go. I know. I've, I can tell. I, do you know what 80s cult hit mm. is one of the first times you can see Jean-Claude Van Damme? He's a featured extra. 80s cult hit, Big Trouble in Little China. No, God. He okay, hold on, ne- hold no. on. No. 80s cult hit. Cult hit. You know Breakfast, what it is. <laughs> uh, the does. Breakfast Club. No. Um, 80s cult hit, Jean-Claude Van Damme is an extra. I want to say... Steel Magnolias. That was 90s. Who is it? Yelled out. Predator. No. Well, what? Breakin'. Breakin'? He was in Breakin'. Who is he in Breakin'? A He's waiter? a featured extra. They're, they're having their break dance off at the, yeah. at the Santa Monica Pier. Uh-huh. And dead center in a unitard dancing like this is Jean-Claude Van Damme. No way. Go Google it. Okay. My favorite uh, movie about um, karate is Three Ninjas. Oh my God! The... Are you kidding? One of the one of the three ninjas is one of Ryder Strong's oldest friends. I was going to say Sean that Fox. that was about the same time frame <laughs> yep. that you guys were all Sean doing Fox, stuff. Who's like a doctor or something now? He's some, something completely different. Him and Jonathan Taylor Thomas own their own island, and they're all Jonathan living spending Taylor, their Thomas, three ninjas yeah. money. I love you, dude. I love you too, man. Thanks for coming. And... Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is really cool. This is awesome. I man. appreciate that. Yeah, and can we please play our D and D game soon at home? Because we got stuff we got to do. It's time to die.
No, not a chance. You're not going to take us out. It's time to die. Mary and I. After what you Mary said today about Game of Thrones, it's time to die. I can't wait for you to... I'm going to have you killed by an NPC stuff. that's like a Game of Thrones <laughs> character. <laughs> and you're killed by a dire wolf, they find. Hey. And on it is Jon Snow going, I matter. Okay, well, like, Notice yeah. me, Will. He does matter. I don't need the show people don't ride dire wolves. Now, like check this. me if I'm wrong. I, I don't want to spoiler alert, but didn't... Didn't they kill Jon Snow off? But everyone went, you can't kill Jon Snow off. So he was like, oh, it was just a flesh wound. Like that it was kind of like Glenn on Walking Dead. I stopped watching Walking Dead, but they killed him. And they're like, ah, just kidding. He's yeah, see, exactly. You can't, you, can't yeah. Do, you can't do that stuff. You know why? Because you need a character to root for. You need care. You need a character. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. you've got, you've got the, uh, what's her name? Cerisi, Kamisi, Derisi. She's the dragon, queen of the dragons. Yeah. Dan Dan Daenerys, but Walker, Texas Ranger. I don't know can her name. Let me get this. <laughs> Can I? Can someone check the traffic on the leave? 405? You know and what see? I know about her is in one movie she's blonde, the next she's brunette. That's They're not movies; it's a TV show. No, God but on the show it. she's blonde. But on, on, she's also in, she's Sarah Connor too. But when you read the books, don't you care about the characters from reading the books? You know, I care. So the much... best part about Game of Thrones there is that there I have a table that's a little wobbly, and I was able to stick one oh. in, and boom, it was able to just stop it perfectly. I gotta call my mother. My thanks to Will Friedle for joining me, and my thanks to you for listening. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review if you'd like. Until next time, don't forget to love each other.